three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right here. Episode 39 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616. And, of course, I've always got my two obnoxious but delicate 90s born-and-raised analytical <coughs> and assertive film cellar dwellers with me. Holy shit. Of course, I've got NES Ruler 22, also known as Jeremy, and Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's going on, my accomplished brothers from multiple mothers? Gia. What a intro. That yeah, was that was pretty awesome. <laughs> you like that? That should be the next lo- first for your new rap song. <laughs> should make a 22 Shots of Moods and Horror rap song. I just realized I had a lot of like adjectives that uh, started with A in there. That was pretty random. <laughs> I think obnoxious, assertive, and analytical. That's pretty awesome. So, yo, what's going on, guys? Oh, man. Nothing. Just, you know, kind of recovering from that fucking hell of a podcast we had last week yeah mm. that was a long show i know we definitely got a couple comments going i think that might have been the longest podcast i've ever listened to yeah i saw that too <laughs> it's definitely not but i think we had a lot of recording that or a lot of um content that didn't ultimately end up in the final uh you know show we always have like a lot of downtime where we're you know taking breaks or whatever and that the the, the actual sitting felt like forever I th- what was it, like eight hours seven hours or something uh, it's like it was like ten and a half oh my yeah God. we were we were that was one of the longest skype sessions we've had in months yeah it was ten so. and a half or so yeah yeah that was Pretty long <laughs> well, that was a good show though man that was like a good fun entertaining list i liked hearing you guys list i had a lot of fun with last week's show yeah, you know, those those are really fun episodes to do because you don't just – I don't know, man. It's not like I feel pressure when I do the show and stuff, but that one just felt so kind of – I just felt at ease. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a list you made and you're just like, okay, this is the best of. These are so easy to talk about and you just kind of roll with it. And it was, it was really interesting to hear um, – I was more excited to hear your guys' list than anything because – we had talked about this pregame and stuff about how we had all seen different types of films and the year didn't really have that like, you know, total bonafide number yeah. one film. Cause it seems like if you look at, I've looked, checked out tons and tons of lists and everybody seems to have different number ones, um, you know, which is really cool, you know? So it, it kind of made the year intriguing to me. You know, yeah. I, really, I, I, re- I like that. I also think, you know, we did so much preparation for that show with watching as many films as we could get to, especially during the final stretch, like the final couple weeks before the show aired. Um, that after finally, you know, just all that, all that preparation and then actually just letting it all go out, you know, flow out into the microphones and stuff, it's kind of just a relaxing downtime after you do all that preparation that's kind of why i like the what we watch show that we did a while back because it was like it was a week where we did like no preparation where we just talked about 
films that we watched over the past couple of weeks because we had those, uh, you know, uh, delays and stuff between yeah. shows. And every mm-hmm. once in a while, it is nice to have those because, guys, we do this show week after week. It, it, you know, after doing a lot of the preparation, it's nice to kind of just chill out and do something like, like simple for once and different. Like that top ten show was a little different. We only did one of those, and it was a year before. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it was. It, it's pretty interesting when you explain it to people. You know, I think they think that we just kind of, or like you know, some people they don't really realize understand. that. Yeah, do they think that we just like okay, this is ten, nine, eight, seven. Yeah, we don't like, actually actually talk about them in detail and things like that. Well, it's also the fact that I think they're just they're just kind of misinformed or they just don't realize how much prep we actually put into these shows. Like, yeah, yeah. perfect example is um, so I had another meeting. As everyone knows out there, I'm going through an adoption process, and um, so one of our last meetings was actually this past Monday. Anyways, like they literally ask you everything that goes on in your life, and we were talking about certain things, just kind of doing some, you know, filling in the gap things. And she was talking about she was interested in my podcast. And it's pretty awkward talking to you know someone that represents like an adoption agency about your podcast and like you know those type of weird things. Mm-hmm. You never really think it's going to get brought up in a conversation, but you know. And then I got talking about it, and it just realized even myself like how much prep we actually put into it because i said to her i was like you know like she wanted to know the full structure of the show and like what we do to prep and i was like man we record a show and then like the second we're done recording we start prepping for the next week it's it a really is true process, it yeah. right really and she's is like true. holy she's like she even said to me she's like you are like really like you know motivated and focused and you know it's amazing like your time management skills because like she knows my schedule right and all the things i have going on and all the things i do and and she's like do you guys you know do your bi-weekly or whatever and i'm like no we really do it every week we miss the odd show just because of certain things that happen in life and stuff but i mean since we've come back to doing the show we've actually managed to only miss two weeks in like four months which is really fucking phenomenal i mean this is the this is the 17th episode back in season two so You know, we've almost done as many as we did in season one, and we still have like months left before we're potentially going to take a break. But, you know, long time. It's only January. And and that's the thing. And and, and she was like so impressed. And I'm like, yeah, this is what we do. And she's like, man, you know, you're so passionate. And it it was just, it was a really interesting conversation explaining to somebody, and then she just totally got it. She's like, you know, it's wow, you guys put a lot of preparation to it. I'm like, yeah, we don't just press record on Skype and then just start bullshitting about about anything. What did you think about, do you tell her about your collection? No, she's seen. She's seen it. She, she's oh, seen yeah. her eyes when she came downstairs in my in my house. The first thing she saw was my maniac poster, and of course, it's like dude holding a knife and a head, and she's like staring at it. And I was like, uh oh. She didn't say anything at first. So I was like, uh oh. Then she looks over, sees Dawn of the Dead, and then Evil Dead. I'm like, oh my god, we're never yeah. gonna get a child. Yeah. This is so bad. And then she goes into my film room, and she's like, literally, she said, "Holy shit!" Yeah. <laughs> she's I get, like, I get she's like I've never seen anything like that in someone's house before, and yeah. I was like. I started laughing. I'm like, that's because the average person isn't a hoarder like I am. So. Yeah, I get that all the time when people like first walk into my walk into my room and they see the wall. Like, I have an entire wall full of movies, and like everyone's like, ugh. Yeah, it's yeah. like a library. I, yeah. I actually not really. When when I was uh, before my house caught on fire, I had you know all my like Scream Factory posters up and all my DVDs in in this tiny ass room and stuff. And the Direct TV guy came to uh, you know fix something with the box. And um, he came in my room. My grandma said I wasn't home. I was at work. But he said he, she said he was just like staring at everything. He's like, oh, Phantasm Two. I love that movie or something. <laughs> I was like, that's dope. And he was just staring at all my DVDs and stuff and was like really impressed. But um, you know, back to what you were saying about you know just the amount of preparation and stuff. Um, you're probably like you know 
insane with your stuff because you have all your different YouTube series that you keep up on, your body bags reviews. Like I, I actually – when she says you're good at time management, oh, yeah. that's a huge understatement because out of everybody I know, you get shit done You know, as much as you have going on with work and stuff. And it kind of really motivates me and impresses me uh, to keep you know on my game too. Um, but, you know, it, it, by no means are we, like, complaining or anything. We're just kind of, you know, vetting a little bit, letting you guys know the process. Uh, we love this. Like, it, it is, mm. you know, fantastic, fun. I look forward to it every week. But, you know, just the amount of uh, things that we actually uh, prepare on is is more than you guys probably realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, – it, but the process is fun, though. I mean, it, it allows us to, you know, check out a lot of films that we – you know, I maybe probably I probably wouldn't watch Spider Baby unless we had to watch it for the show. Mm, and I watched um, it. I go, that movie's fucking. It's a strange one. We'll get into it in a little while, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing, though. No? Like you know, we we you know do these featured reviews and stuff like that. Yeah, and it gives us you know a chance to. I I love that process, though. You know, we have a film, we discuss it. It's just a great process, but it also allows us you know the structure of the show with you know the what we watch section, watching all these new films and you know, these new segments that we did. I just, I love that, you know, it motivates me every week to do it. I just, I love mm-hmm. everything about it. So, but uh, yeah, it really is about time management though. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty crazy. So I don't know. I have a lot of fun doing this. Definitely no complaints at all. But uh, yeah, thanks for all the support out there too from yeah. everybody that listens to the show and, you know, does give us feedback and stuff. I mean, that's really what motivates me the most. Yeah. And the, the show, fact, you know, is constantly the show's constantly growing, which always excites me. I like seeing somebody new come in and say like, Oh, I found your show. I'm going back and listening through episodes. That's why I always like point out episodes. If somebody mentions a film, I'll be like, Hey, uh, we actually covered that whole franchise back on episode 22 sleepaway camp. Like, and then they'll be like, I actually, you know, wait, 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 that movie's coming out on (laughs) Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. Inside Um, joke. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that you know, some people actually have only been listening to us listening to us since this season, um which is pretty crazy. I mean, some of those early episodes are a bit rough, the audio quality is kind of bad and stuff, but I mean, that's expected with any uh podcast that that first starts out. Season. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, I wanted to kind of say something um a lot of podcasts, like a lot of podcasts only stick around for 20 or so episodes. And then, you know, you probably don't recognize them, but I've been listening to podcasts since like 2008. And, uh, you know, there's so many that I listened to that stopped at episode 20 or episode 30. And the reason is, is because it's a lot of work, especially as you expand, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and some people just can't manage it. Um, so, you know, we're here to stay for a while. At least I feel so. And, uh, you know, I feel like after these first, you know, 40 or so episodes, we really kind of are starting to hit our stride and really kind of realize like it's becoming, uh, you know, second nature to just start week in and week out. Like it doesn't really feel like as, uh, you know, hard of a process to get everything going. It's so natural now. And I'm like really enjoying that. I mean, we're definitely here to stay because, I mean, pre-game or pre-show, I would say pre-game, but, uh, we, you know, we were discussing what we're possibly going to do for episode 50. Yeah. You know, that's like 11 shows away, but, I mean, that just that's shows... That's really not that many when you, you know, think about it. It's yeah, not. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we're quite organized. Like, we actually have spreadsheets to what we do and stuff. Like, I mean, there's a whole process here. And, it's only uh, three months away until episode you know, there's 50. A, yeah. You know, there's a lot of obstacles that we have to deal with, too. For, for an example is... um. 
you know, with featured reviews. So basically all three of us, you know, have to have some way of seeing the film. And me personally, I, I need to watch a film. I mean, pretty much like as you know, on a physical copy, I hate watching VODs and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it just, it doesn't feel right to me. I mean, if I have to, I will, but I mean, you know, sometimes I actually can't, but you know, the obstacle that I run into. So with, I mean, I've, talked about this many times is shipping you know like i need time to get shit <laughs> or else you know it's one thing that we have to plan out for like you know we've got this film it's not even available on prime i'm like fuck i i, I need to like order this now for like a show like four weeks down the road kind of yeah. thing so there's a lot of preparation involved and a lot of kind of odd oddities and you know certain things that i have to you know really kind of consider when doing the shows and stuff but mm-hmm. i mean it's worked out i think there's only ever been one show where i actually didn't get or maybe it was one or two i know we bumped a couple of shows but well it, i, know I the think battery it happened multiple times on um the uh the it almost happened with the squad but i don't think it ended up happening no it didn't actually but i know i know the battery for one thing because remember i was having major issues getting that mm-hmm. fucking movie we <laughs> actually have an extra episode that's in cyberspace also so we're actually at episode ahead yeah we're gonna remake that episode yeah yeah actually coming up (laughs) oddly enough yeah it's gonna be yeah totally mid-february yeah that was such a fucking shame man yeah we had a good talk about charlie ban yeah that's one of the more interesting talks we ever had and it just went to like cyberspace Cyberspace. it's lost in time and fucking skype recorder (laughs) (laughs) where's doc brown you need him so shit oh god but yeah, still wearing my pockets inside out, rocking <laughs> it. Fuck man, that's got brought up so many fucking times. It's like, oh god. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I was watching a video yesterday. I was watching uh, an eighty slasher. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, um, but he did a video top ten Arnold Schwarzenegger videos, and uh, you know, it was it was actually kind of ironic because me and my buddy from work we were talking about again about the the hoverboards and inside pockets and flying cars in 2015 i'm like what the fuck is this so weird um that it that shit's not going on and anyways he was doing his uh arnold uh, countdown and his number one film was uh the running man which is actually my favorite arnold schwarzenegger film which i thought was very cool that he had the same number one and uh but that movie takes place in the year 2019 <laughs> i'm like man that's four years away yeah it's not really that far that's away crazy. you know it's just kind of funny when i think about it because i remember seeing the running man back in the 80s and 2019 was literally a fucking world away like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even think about that far in, in advance, but now it's like four years away. And I'm like, are we going to have this crazy killer talk show or a killer game show with like Richard Dawson hosting the show and shit? <laughs> well, unfortunately, <laughs> like, died a year ago. Yeah, exactly. But um, but no, it just it kind of puts things in perspective. And it's just kind of funny how all these 80s films and he was and stuff player. that was projected in the, the 2000 teens and stuff. But those mm-hmm. times are like coming up and it's just, yeah, it's, it's very it weird. feels odd to me. But Fucking Richard yeah. Dawson, he was the biggest player ever. He mm. got so much poo-tang, it wasn't even funny. Richard Dawson was awesome. He was he, such a fucking dick in that movie, too. <laughs> such a player. He would kiss every lady on fucking Family Viewed. Oh, I love him. Such a player. Such a player. Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah. you know, you did mention episode 50. If anybody out there has, like, any idea of, like, something, uh, you know, we got a few ideas kicking around, but maybe something we haven't thought of, like, drop it. Like, a show that maybe we haven't done you know some type of show uh some kind of theme or something drop it in the comments on the facebook page or moods's channel and uh we'll definitely consider it uh because episode 50 is coming up in a couple months like jeremy said three months yeah it's it's all up in the air we've been just kind of beating around the bush and throwing back throwing around ideas and stuff but not really too sure what we want to do um 
episode 50 though it's got to be something special right so um but yeah that is still a little bit away you know honestly like it's like 11 weeks though it's not really that far away i know it really isn't because i remember when we came back and did episode 23 and uh, now it's like episode 39 it's like it just seems like it was you know last week you know kind of thing it's fucking crazy Mm -hmm. how time flies so much content it's crazy when you think about it yeah oh yeah um but yeah this season has been really enjoyable we've done a lot of different things and you know really good stuff but yeah but episode 39 holy fuck so crazy but what are you wait till we get to like episode 107 and you're saying episode 107 (laughs) yeah remember when we were talking about episode 39 we're going damn we made it this far (laughs) yeah which we actually beat uh that's David, only really a so, year away. What did he say? We, he said we'd stop at 32. Yeah. Haha. Oh, Who's laughing oh, now? Fucker Who David K. laughing now? Uh, it's good to see David back, though, man. I you know. know. He's back I miss him. Being, I miss being him. a sarcastic self. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's good times. But uh, he's still promoting. Like, you know, I'll upload a video. And next thing you know, he's sharing it all over the fucking place. And, yeah, he's being supportive. So that's cool. But, yeah, he's he's like big his sarcasm is cracking me up, man. He's fucking right back. Right back to it. And it's just like David never yeah. left. <laughs> him and Sack, man. Their sarcasm is kind of insane. Especially Sack. Sack is sarc- one of my favorite posters on the page. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like yesterday on Austin's page where he's like... <laughs> Do you see any? You see any naked dead chicks with nice tits? And I was laughing so hard. <laughs> of course, I only had a Zach's mouth, right? Uh, Zach, Zach is an interesting cat. You know, yeah. Pumpkinhead two way better than Pumpkinhead one. I tell you what. <laughs> I know. Sometimes, like I, I say to Zach, I'm like, I don't even know how to fucking, you know. It, I can't decide if you're being serious or not. If you're just trying to fucking, you know, stir up the pot here. I mean, it's not very often you hear someone say Pumpkinhead is pumpkinhead 2 is better than one or that they liked it even more because pumpkinhead 2 i'm not going to get into it again yeah man. you don't like pumpkinhead 2 i personally do like i am pumpkinhead not a fan 2, man but uh no. pumpkinhead 1 is like a serious classic horror want to know what i like pumpkinhead Texas Chainsaw massacre 2 me too <laughs> right on yeah <laughs> good times good times um but yeah jp we do we got any news this week we do have some news, not a whole lot. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of saying it week to week. It, it, there's just no news. Really it's pretty much today. the same thing Like from week to week. It's like, you know, end of the year. Let's just not have any yeah, good but news. It did seem like it's starting to pick back up. I have a feeling within the next month we'll start seeing like a heavy dose of news again. The first bit of news is Jeremy actually commented on this when it was shared. It's so funny. Sometimes I'll get news and I'll, I'll write it down and then seconds later somebody will share it in the Facebook page. And I debate on whether or not to keep it in the show since it's like shared with the majority of people that listen to us. But I know there's people out there who aren't part of the group who listen to us too, so I decided to keep it. Uh, Friday the 13th, The Game. Um, This is not that much horror news, um, you know, pertaining to film. But there were some interesting things in the articles that do relate to uh, the actual film. I I really, really, really do not think it's going to happen. Because if you go and you open up this nice edition of Halloween 2 and you open it up, you have this. Yeah, that Chucky game. And this fucker never happened. It did happen. It was made. There was footage. It just, they canceled it. Yeah. I remember opening up Halloween 2 and seeing this flyer for Chucky game and I got so excited. So hopefully it actually gets made. I do think this one will be... 
uh, made because of like some of the stuff that they talked about. But uh, apparently, it's going to be a cooperative, competitive multiplayer predator slash prey horror. Yeah, that sounds shitty. Uh, it has a small group of survivors where they'll probably have to. Uh, you know, use different resources around the different locations of the game set, and they'll uh, be facing the one probably more powerful, uh, Jason Voorhees. So it's like it kind mm. of reminds me of some of the, some different games that I used to play, where you know it's it's kind of like um, three on one or something, and the one is just stronger, but the yeah. three all have like certain things that uh, are you know beneficial to them. Uh, while mm. one, it's like Left for Dead style. Yeah, stuff. I was just gonna say that. My only question is: Is this a uh, you know a remake or a reboot <laughs> of the uh, NES game? It's a reboot. I just you know the movie that movie. came out. You know, everyone's like, you know, remember the remake or the reboot? Remember that argument with the film? Oh, well, this yeah. would be considered a reboot. I don't think anyone got my joke. I think it kind of flew over everyone's head. No, I understood it. But... I was uh, like, Ugh. but yeah, yeah. So I mean, does not sound interesting to me. To it does honest. to me. I think that oh, yeah. sounds fun. Mm. I could just picture as long as like the um, I feel like it's gonna be extremely it's gonna feel extremely cheap and shitty and oh it's quite I'm gonna, possible I'm gonna call right now it's gonna be probably glitchy as shit and uh, it just sounds like it's gonna be a budget title game that's just like oh let's just release it as fast as we can well, to make a quick buck and that, it's gonna that, suck I'm feeling like it's gonna be an arcade game like an Xbox arcade game yeah 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 like, yeah. I'm those, expecting that but those also. are good too man I've played some really good games on there but I mean it, it does make sense to you know put out this game because it's just it's more promotion for the film that well, you know supposedly coming out listen to this as well the, so, the new game um, is in development on multiple platforms for an October 2015 release uh, the game's prequel to the lore new movie will not only reference elements from the classic franchise, but also incorporate content and themes from the upcoming Friday the 13th television oh, series. Cool. Uh, and also, you know, that, may, that they, they say a few things here. Well, one, the new film is slated for uh, November of 2015. So this game would come out right before the movie. Also... Well, that makes sense. Also, the TV series is supposed to come out around a uh, little bit after the movie. So that would also make a ton of sense. Um, so it looks like, that, like if anything, this is going to be a big promotion, um, which I'm fine with, right? Let's, let's make it – remember in the 80s? Well, I wasn't there, but I remember watching things about it where like <laughs> Freddy was everywhere, you know, like Freddy, glo- Freddy gloves that you could buy and, you know, Freddy coffee mugs and shit. Like, like let's, let's bring a little bit of that promotion back, Freddy on lunchboxes and shit. Let's do it with Jason too. Uh, they, I know that Jason was kind of a big part of that too, but I mean, like, I, I think that's good promotion. Put it, make a game, mm-hmm. and you know what? Everybody been asking for one for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense because gaming is so big. You know, I mean, that's obviously. I call know, it right now. It's going to be the next movies. It's going to be TV, video games, and then movies are going to be pushed back, and then mm-hmm. there's going to be a re. Wait, let me finish. There's going to be a reinsurance of film. And it's going to boost back up before uh, above TV and video games. But I'm predicting right now video games are going to be the next big, big art form. Well, they already are. Yeah, but they're not as big as TV and they've movies. Been incorporate, they've been incorporated already. I mean, look at South Park. I mean, the last four episodes of – I think it was season 16 were the, was the video game, right? Yeah, but there's like – there's so many expansive ways to tell stories in video games that – maybe aren't possible in cinema 
and people are realizing that that oh uh stories that are being told in mainstream cinema right now is pretty shitty so i'm just gonna stay home and play this video game that's a million times better and more interesting than anything that's in the cinema right now and that's gonna influence game designers to make and release better games and it's just gonna make the film industry plummet a little bit it's not like it's gonna go away or anything like that but it's gonna it's gonna drop like it has in the past I think they're kind of unrelated, to be honest. I think mm. that, you know, video games have the unlimited potential to get as big as they possibly ever can. But I still don't think that has anything to do with, um, you know, film decreasing. Like, I, I feel like there's room for both in both worlds where people will still do just as many of both of them. You know, I don't really mm-hmm. feel like, uh, you know, if games get huge, 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 way big, way big, that it's going to necessarily have any effect whatsoever on the film industry. I think that both uh, can live and coexist in the same world, and and I don't think there's that much crossover as we think with fans. Like I don't think there's that that much crossover. I just don't game like I used to, so. Yeah. <laughs> but you do I have three Xbox 360s, of course. No, I've got two PlayStation threes. That's oh, it. sorry, two PlayStation threes. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. <sighs> I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I, I don't really care. I'm just looking forward to the movie and the TV series, to be honest. But yeah. I don't really think it's going to affect me. So, Yeah, I think that uh, also Cunningham um, hinted that an experienced game studio uh, is going to be doing the – is going to be developing the film or the uh, game. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, well, you know, some people like to be just fucking negative as hell. Just, I'm not just being negative as hell, you. asshole. They got me all pumped for the Chucky game, and they fucking bailed. That Chucky game looked like shit, dude. I don't care. This is what this game's gonna look like. <laughs> That's why the Saw game was shit. Yeah, but that was some fucking... I don't that know. That was I don't freaking know. THQ. They're a big company. Oh, that was Konami, actually, and they're like... There was a Saw game? Fuck. Two of them, yeah. actually. <laughs> Shows how much I know. I don't know. I just think it would be easy to make a Friday the 13th game. Just it got it. It doesn't have to be like big in story. It just has to be like kind of fun, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you just I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You know, I'm not as big of a gamer as I once was, so I I don't even. I mean, I would just grab it just for the sake of like playing as Jason in something. That'd be pretty cool. But I mean, it's probably not going to be like a big blockbuster title or anything. Yeah. Mm. So after that, we have Lionsgate. Uh, have announced that they will be releasing the film The Voices on VOD and limited theaters on February 6th. This uh, stars Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I guess it's a horror comedy. Um, The genre-bending tale centers around (coughs) Jerry, a lovable but disturbed factory worker who yearns for attention from a woman um, in accounting. When their relationship takes a sudden murderous turn, Jerry's evil talking cat and... I don't know that word. Talking dog lead him down the fantastical path where he ultimately finds salvation. Yeah. Sounds like shit, huh? Yep. <laughs> I didn't even know what to say about it, man. Yeah. Uh, what a fucking stinker. Yeah, man. You know, to be honest, ugh. I, I just that sounds just sounds like shit to me, dude. I don't like films like that. I, mean, I don't like Ryan Reynolds. So. It could be something cool, but I mean, like that that description. You mean fucking awesome. Van Wilder? He's fucking Van Wilder in every movie he plays. He's a Amityville horror guy. Yep. 
Yeah, he's Van fucking Wilder to me, Van man. Van Wilder, yeah, me too. Like every movie, he's just he's fucking Van Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, yep. So after that piece of shit, we have the Purge. <laughs> we have the Purge three. Um, this will no longer be the annual purge, which every we talked about this every we? every single damn website is saying those exact words. They're like, "Well, the, the purge is no longer an annual event." You know, even though it is in the movie series, it's not going to be in real life anymore. Like, is it's so funny? Like everybody is using that little kind of uh, quirky title. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the purge three was supposed to come out in July of 2015. It has now been pushed to July of 2016, so it's kind no longer oh no every longer year annual. Oh, yeah. What a bunch of fucking what? Like, so what's the uh, what's the holdup? <clears throat> Honestly, I think it comes down to what we talked about last week, I believe, where you said like, what are they going to do next? And I feel mm-hmm. like you know they had it as like a home invasion inside thing, and then they put it outside, and they probably just like, well, what the fuck now? Well, maybe they Zombies. didn't get. Maybe the island that they wanted to shoot on, they couldn't get or something, so they had to postpone it a year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm curious. I want to see them taken on a cruise ship, though. I want to see a cruise ship fucking... Perth. Yeah. I don't know, man. Cruise ship, an island. Direct I want to see... A cruise ship. And then, Dude, actually, no. Okay, no, no. This is this is how it's going to go. Part three is going to be on a cruise ship. Part four, obviously, is going to be in space. <laughs> Come on. With, fl- with floating Look, middle fingers. You know, it's going to set. It's going to be in the future, and there's actually going to be, like, a society up there and stuff so they can purge in the fucking – because everything's gone all haywire in space. Because, you know, part four always has to be in space, right? I um, say let's turn The Purge 3 into an anthology film. Let's follow three different people uh, and their story as they go through the annual purge. Uh, different people. Let's let's take a uh, you know homeless guy in Brooklyn or something, and then let's take a, a small town farm family and wherever you know, like like maybe do that. And you know what I don't want to see? I just don't want to see like the the actual story and characters that we followed in the first and second purge really felt very similar to me. I, I don't want to feel. I don't want it to be a story of like. Um, you know, it, it's just so damn Hollywood. I just like, why does it have to be like good guys? We're following good guys. Like, like, is there trying to get away from the evil purge people? Like, let's let's just do something different. Let's follow the fucking purge guy, who's like real. Yeah, exactly. The follow the purge. Follow somebody that's purging on a cruise ship. I'm telling you, man, this <laughs> no, cruise ship idea. I'm, I'm fucking rolling with this. Cruise ship idea is terrible. No, it's not, man. Fuck that shit, man. Should they take it on a train next week? See, the coolest thing about a cruise ship is that you can't escape it, dude. Yeah, you you just blow up the ship and then it's done. No, but then you kill yourself, man. Fuck that shit. No, you got to be on a a cruise ship, man. I don't even think you understand how big these motherfuckers are, man. They're, They're like cities on water. You know, there's so much area to explore in these things, man. I like the idea of being on like a secluded area, you know, and um, you got 24 hours to fucking live or die. See, you're like the it. guy who, um, when they was making Speed 2, you was the guy in the back of the room who was like, set it on a cruise ship, let's do it. <laughs> no, that's different. I was in the back going, really, Keanu Reeves again? But he's Fucking... not in Yeah, he's Speed not in two. Speed 2. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's not. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's yeah. But, I mean, um, honestly, I'm a little bummed I... out. I kind of was like, enjoy. I like The Purge, too, so I, I was, you know... Yeah. I mean, that was the obvious choice, though, after the first one was to take it to the streets. But, I mean, there's – like I said, with the purge, the idea of the purge is that there's so many 
possibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, quite. I mean, they should definitely roll with the fucking you know the cruise ship thing. I mean, I think that's the best idea. I think your anthology idea is kind of a waste though, because you could have all those stories into separate films. But you know, there's really endless opportunities for this franchise. Like, I mean, it's kind of a shame that they're not putting out one a year. But well, I, I thought the Purge was going to be the next sure. Paranormal Activity, the next next Saw, the next Friday the Thirteenth, um, or whatever film you want to put in its place. But I, I'm I'm a little uncertain because we've seen this with Paranormal Activity. The moment that they let up for a year, the franchise, although still successful, it's nowhere near as big. When they went from Paranormal Activity four, skipped a year, and then put out the marked ones. That's when uh, the you know the franchise kind of dipped a bit, uh, and I feel like if you're not there every year, something else is going to take your place. It, it, mm-hmm. That's kind of like uh, yeah, Friday, Friday the Thirteenth Part what eight to nine? Yeah, right. Like how many yeah. years was that? I think it was about four years, and mm-hmm. then eighty nine to ninety three. I think yeah, eighty nine to ninety three. So it was four years, and then and then all of a sudden you get Jason goes to hell. So I mean, the franchise literally mm-hmm. went to hell. Bad joke, but you know, it's what happens. So bad joke, but fitting. Yeah. It no, I mean, but it does make sense though because you know, like you know, perfect example is the Saw franchise, man. Like seven films in seven years—that's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. But they it killed really it crazy. every year for a while until Paranormal Activity came out. Well, um, it, it just knocked it off. Like Saw was kind of getting tired a little bit, you know. It was still killing it, and then Paranormal came out and and killed it, killed it, and then uh, when they announced Paranormal Two. Uh, on the same Halloween date as Saw, Lionsgate was like, well, shit, we're not going to be able to go up against Paranormal 2 with uh, Saw 6 or whatever. So um, mm. they started, you know, pumping the brakes a bit. And then Paranormal Activity, you know, just kind of continued for the next, I, I believe, like four years. Uh, I, I think one through four kind of was in October. And uh, then I thought, like, you know, when they canceled it, uh, the fifth one, you know, because the fifth one was supposed to hit October 2, and then they pushed it back to January. I thought that another film, that was like their chance to sneak in that October gate, which is such a big month. Yeah. And, like, nothing, man. Nothing's happening right now. I thought The Purge was going to be the next thing, even though it was set in the summer. Yeah. I mean, they I could think have a Purge a- during the winter, and people, like, fucking flying their cars into each other on ice. <laughs> Canadian Purge. <laughs> Oh God! Um, actually, that that is not a bad idea, though. I mean, not you know, set in Canada or whatever. Well, but it like it in would kind of have to be set in somewhere up, you know, where there's a lot of snow all year round because it's an annual purge, right? It happens the same time every year, and it's always been well, like the summer. Well, you would have to go to like Antarctica to have snow all fucking year, or maybe Alaska or something. I don't have snow all year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fuck do you think I live, man? It's fucking Greenland. Shit, don't you have like igloos up there all year long? Uh yeah no oh my god <laughs> no but I honestly think it's a big mistake like not putting out a, Dude, a purge film this year I think it's really actually going to hurt the franchise it's going to lose its totally, steam it's totally going to lose its steam I mean totally, especially coming off uh, sorry Jeremy I think I was going to say it should totally take place in Prince George because the purge already happens every day with people getting their fucking heads yes. cut off and shit exactly it could totally Rough happen in Prince city. George because it's already um, happening. But yeah, you know, like I, I honestly think that it, it is a big mistake, you know, because obviously it's going to lose its steam and stuff. But, you know, I mean, ah, 
fuck, it's it's just really not good. I mean, especially coming off of the Purge Anarchy, in my opinion, was a better. It was you know, it was a better film than the first one. Yeah. It was but, much I mean, stronger, it, oh, but yeah. it still wasn't like phenomenal. And I think that's the biggest mistake, like them not putting out one this year. They really need to kind of, you know, feed off, you know, anarchy, getting better reviews and stuff like I think anyways. But waiting a whole year because just on the fact that anarchy wasn't like a spectacular film, you know, I think this is going to lose way more steam than it was than it would if, you know, anarchy was like really, really good. So waiting that extra year, I think, is not a great idea. This might really hurt the franchise. Mm. And, that's just my know- opinion. I'm I'm still waiting for that next one though, man. Like, like, Yad Saw, which honestly did a really good job, like hold, holding interest for you know most of the Saw films. Um, Paranormal is still floating around there, but I, I just feel like now it's officially, uh, even though the marked ones did well, I don't think the Ghost Dimension is gonna do that well. Um, and we're probably seeing the we've seen the peak of Paranormal with probably Paranormal three. Well, and, um, I mean, let's be frank. The ghost dimension. I mean, for fuck's sakes. I mean, they're not putting too much thought yeah, into how these titles promote anymore. That, how are they going to freaking promote that movie? The I mean, ghost dimension. Well, now it, they're, now the reason just it's called the ghost Friday dimension night. is because it's uh, in 3D. Like, it's probably going to be like the further from Insidious. That's probably what they're going to be doing in the ghost dimension, I would assume. Oh, Why does it have to be in 3D? Why the fuck does anything have to be in 3D? Hope it's in two D too. So I, I don't. I really don't have an issue with three D. Like I'll just watch it not in three D if I don't want to see it in three D. I saw Texas Chainsaw in not three D. Yeah, I mean the one time it was showing in not three D. I fucking. I have a little bit of problem with three D. I actually have a couple movies that are just strictly in three D, and I've never watched them because of that. <laughs> it's so fucking annoying. I'm just like, why fucking put that out just in three D? I mean, ugh. I don't know, man. Ah, the purge. I mean, yeah. honestly, if they really want to save, you know, after losing a little bit of steam, you know, with the film they're going to put out in 2016, take it to the cruise ship. All right, next topic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so next topic is about monsters. The film Finish Monsters it. is having a sequel. It's called Monsters Dark Continent. Uh, I believe this is the Weinstein Company's film. It's going to hit vod platforms and limited theaters in april i never seen the first one so i can't really comment on it too much me neither um you know what i didn't really care for the first one that much to be honest i, I, I thought it was a big love it like, story it is man it's like uh yeah that's pretty much what it is and like you know with a monster that you don't really get to see i mean it's very i mean you wait all film to have this like little flash of what is this at the end? Yeah, you know, and it's it's one of those type of real, real so slow. So it makes sense burners. that this guy directed Godzilla then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does actually make sense. I mean, to be honest, Monsters wasn't a terrible film, but for rewatchability, no, it's not really there, man. Like, I mean, after the film was done, I was kind of like, I don't really know how I actually feel about this movie, but I mean, it's not terrible, but it's definitely not for everybody. But, you know, it did leave it open for a sequel. Which mm-hmm. is in- interesting. So I can see how this might possibly work and maybe explain a little more to the film because it's one of those ones where you're just like, you want more. So the sequel does make sense. But it is coming a long time after the movie came out, too. Yeah, it does feel like it, huh? Yeah. So that's in- interesting. But, you know, honestly, I would check out the sequel just because of how the first one ends. You check out everything. But yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I just love film, man. I'm sorry, but like, I mean, it's just the way it is. I, I, I feel like I have to apologize. Jesus Christ. No, no. I think what he was getting at is um, he's interested in seeing it, even though, you know, he sees everything. He's interested in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, we have Bates Motel Season 3 has its premiere date set, and that is March 9th of 2015, which is right around the corner. Cool. Nice, nice. Have you guys probably, still seen any of it? No, it's probably another series that, you know, it's going to run its whole fucking length of the show, and I'll buy all the seasons, and it'll end, and then I'll start the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like American Horror Story, man. Like, what are they on season five right now? Four. 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 They're on yeah, which hasn't four. been getting very good reviews, which sucks, because this season was one I was excited about, because it was like uh, carnival. carnival. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, it, it, I think... Which one has got the best one? Was it the third season or is it the second Coven, season? Coven. It was the third season. I want to watch season, The Strain. Everyone's I heard, about that show. Yeah, The Strain sounds really good. I've been hearing from a lot of people yeah, and it's lot, actually Strain quite original. Yeah, really good reviews. Like really original and stuff, yeah. which is interesting. I, I love the fucking the, – the cover art for it though. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so it's it's got me definitely intrigued. But yeah, American Horror Story, I think I'm going to start shortly actually. So I might actually talk about it. Uh, I've just been Holy kind show? of – yeah, I've been fucking beating around the bush. I've been watching random episodes. I always watch random episodes of Twilight Zone. If I have like a half an hour to kill before we're heading out or something like that, I'll just pop in Twilight Zone. Or you know, like when you know what I'm saying? You ever do that? Like you're waiting on something and you're just mm-hmm. I got a half an hour popping an episode. Yeah, yeah. It just annoys me to switch discs once I run through the first disc. <laughs> yeah, I you don't want to get up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when when you're a laser disc collector, you get used to that quite <laughs> quite soon after it got to flip the movie after 45 minutes <laughs> after 45 minutes and then if the movie's longer than an hour and a half you have to get up and flip the open the tray put in another disc and then so if you have like a if you're the godfather's on three discs so oh, you have to God. get up like four times <laughs> so basically when you watch the uh when you watch the godfather it's like working out too it's like yep. you're at the gym yep. you have to get up <laughs> yeah well that may i actually think that's a good thing because uh, sometimes when I'm watching like a three-hour movie or something, like I would want there to be a little intermission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unless you get lazy and get an auto flipper like I do, and then you don't even have to get up. Oh God. Okay. Next <laughs> up, we have uh, Amnesiac. This is an Exhilarator Media acquired title. Uh, the, it's going to be put out through the Exhilarator uh, uh, Media's, you know, good label now. That's getting a lot of steam. Uh, Macabre. Uh, so, you know, that's another one like Found and uh, Housebound uh, that's going to be put out. Um, it tells a story. It, it stars Kate Bosworth. It tells a story of a man who wakes up in bed suffering from memory loss after being in an accident. Sound familiar? Only to begin to suspect that his wife may not be his real wife. Uh, the web of lies and deceit deepen <laughs> inside the house where he soon finds himself a prisoner. Sounds good to me. Yeah, it sounds okay. Yeah, it could sounds be okay. okay. What's it sound like to you? It sounds okay. <laughs> what film does it sound like to you? Uh, it definitely sounds like something. I can't Misery. Quite put my finger. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Oh, totally. Yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say that. So this guy, this guy gets in a wreck. He wakes up, and there's this woman taking care of him who is acting like his wife. And it's only later in the film. That he realizes, like, hey, this. Wait a minute, <laughs> this doesn't. This bitch really, isn't my this wife. Probably isn't my wife. Or is so it? So either you know? he either has like amnesia, or she's fucked with his brain somehow. Well, no, he has amnesia. 
or like well, he has. Me- he, it says that he wakes up with memory loss. Yeah, but maybe the memory loss is caused by this person fucking with his head. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of like an interesting like thriller type thing. I think it sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Uh, after that, we have some more news about uh, another DVD release. This is Tremors Five. We talked about that. This is you know going into production. Something very interesting happened with Tremors Five. It had a 2016 release date. Uh-uh, not no more. It has a 2015 release date now. They actually are releasing the film ahead of schedule. Uh, it's going to come out in October on Blu-ray and DVD. Well, I think the Purge franchise should take note of this. <laughs> yes. This is <laughs> weird, Travers is going to run it out of town? Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> Fuck, I can't believe they're actually making a fifth Tremors. Like, they're not rebooting that series. They're actually making another sequel. I know. That's really cool. Uh, it's Prison. shot in South Africa, I believe. Um, and it stars uh, Michael Gross, of course, who is Bert from the series, the only guy to be in all five. And mm-hmm. it uh, has a new co-star, Jamie Kennedy, from the Scream series. Jamie Kennedy? That's random. Yeah, where the hell has he been? He yeah. Was in, like, he was in that one, like, Malibu's Most Wanted movie, and then he's, like, gone. <laughs> he was uh he's in production for another hidden camera show <laughs> yeah but i mean dude i love the uh, series one through three is my shit one and two i, I think two is like one of the best directed video sequels ever made let's see his last movie was called bro what happened oh that's such an amazing title bro what happened look, it's look like at the dude cover. where's my car <laughs> gnarly worst cover yeah. ever so I think that Tremors 5 uh, will probably not be that good, but I'm sure it'll be better than Part 4. Has to be. Yeah. Probably a lot of CGI, too. That's one franchise I need, I need to, you know, revisit, man. I haven't watched those fucking movies I think forever. you're going to be very surprised how how well the first one is. You've probably seen it recently more than the sequels, but the first one is actually, like, a damn good movie, like an A-list movie. Number two, it, I think you'll be super surprised at how well of a sequel, like how good of a sequel it is. It's it's really very good. Hmm. Yeah, like I said, I got to do that sometime. I'll All definitely right. like revisit those before the fifth one comes out. Maybe I'll watch them in sequence. Yeah, maybe we'll do a Tremors show next October. Mm. JP's hyped. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should do a Hellraiser show too. Oh God! I would love to do a Hellraiser show. No, after sitting through five through eight, I don't know if I want to do that. Four through eight. No, four. Four through nine. Four is okay. It's not the best, but it's way better than five. I think there's nine of them. Five through nine. Yeah, the first four are definitely watchable. Anything yeah. after that is like it's pretty. Um, All the ones that were released it's almost, in theaters it's pretty tedious. Watchable. Yeah, but I find those ones to be the most interesting to like hear about for some mm-hmm. reason because they're not Hellraiser films. Like I, I've always wanted to see a documentary on the whole series just so I could know like what the hell was the process of making these. Mm-hmm. Write a script and then at the last second go to page eighty and write in Pinhead. There you go. No, you just pepper them in. You just pepper them in a little bit here and there. But I mean, like how how did they? pick the script that is going to be a uh now hellraiser film like i don't know like i'm just kind of like interested in the history it's probably of- the one that fell off the desk they're like oh that's the chosen one <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's the chosen one yeah awesome. so uh but wait that- is it gonna have shitty rap music if it's the chosen <clears throat> one just like Yo. somebody else that we know <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have Dog Soldiers. It has been delayed. Uh, it has been delayed for, in my opinion, a positive reason, and that is they're working harder to try to get um, a new transfer done. What do you guys think? I mean, it's a good it's a good reason. I mean, obviously, we don't want to see a shit transfer, especially after how long this thing has been. Yeah. In per, uh, you know, the process has been. But a long yeah, time. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's not like. It's not like I'm fucking fiending to see it. Um, yeah, it's not like that bad. <laughs> yeah, this isn't. Like a, this you know, isn't I, a release that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, Go I ahead. mean, just honestly, like I have the DVD, so I can watch the movie. So I mean, just they just they just need to take their time and put out the best possible edition of it, and I'm I'm fine with that. If it comes out, you know, at the end of the year, it's cool. You know, why rush it, right? Yeah, Dog Soldiers is a film that I have on DVD, and I'm not overly in a rush to upgrade. Uh, if I am going to upgrade it, I would like it to be really worth it, right? So, I mean, exactly. um, I'm fine with that. It's not something that I'm, like, like really looking forward to, like, hellhole or something that just like, destroys me when it got delayed. Um, or it canceled with hellhole. But, canceled. <laughs> uh, you know, th- this film... Is just something that I can wait on. Like I'm not, I, I'm not in a huge rush. I do. I mean, I really like the film. Don't get me wrong. It's a mm. fucking fantastic werewolf film. But ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's it's strictly an upgrade, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, the the titles that I get more most excited about are the ones that I don't have or the ones that have never been released. And you know, so this one, yeah, it can, it can, it can. I can wait for it. So yeah. yeah. All right. After that, they announce a new film, uh, Scream Factory. It's going to come out April 21st, and it is another chiller film. This is a Creature in the Woods feature, uh, Deep in the Darkness, uh, which premiered last year on Chiller, both Blu-ray and DVD. Where's Chilling Visions 2, Scream Factory? Come on. I don't know, but this film was from the creators of Dead Souls. But I don't know, dude. I'm like, I like those creature features, uh, especially Beneath that they put out, so... Looking forward to this one, I guess. We'll cover it. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, man, what the fuck was up with the Chilling Visions 2. I know, I want to see that shit. Yeah, like, I I was really hoping that they were going to pick that up. And I'm kind of disappointed that it hasn't been announced. First one's actually really good. Yeah, we should... Hey, everybody listening, as soon as you hear this part, go on Scream Factory's page and say, what's up with Chilling Visions 2? And we might get a response if enough people do it. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man fucking feeding to see it man i i really you saw the first one right jp no that's one that i actually haven't seen uh that sucks yeah it's actually quite impressive yeah it's really good it was one of those anthology films that at first i didn't really know what to expect because i was like okay they're you know i like the idea of what they were doing with the senses and stuff but it was really about execution i thought it was really well done man yeah really cool how they kind of tied in everything and And only one shitty story out of all of them so kind of subtly you know they kind of yeah it was it was good man especially for like a tv made film yeah yeah so i mean chiller tv is a hit and miss but i I think like i think they have potential with all the releases that animal film that's coming out that we're going to be covering uh that one's actually got some good reviews so uh we'll we'll check out that one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, after that Scream Factory (laughs) announced uh, Howling 2 1985 will be coming out later this summer I'm just going to buy it just to watch the end credits in HD the ending (laughs) credits is the best part of the movie Uh, Howling Howling 2 is such a fucking uh, it's such a 
guilty pleasure. I, I, I mean, I, I hate using the word guilty because I don't feel bad for liking something like that. But the movie's that, fucking terrible. No, it is fucking terrible. But Sybil Danning, she's fucking gnarly. And the ending with her tits <sighs> are fucking hilarious, man. It's just really one of those movies that I. It's just like beyond me how bad that film is compared yeah. to the first one. You know, it's like holy fuck, that's such a downgrade from such an amazing film. Everyone knows my thoughts on the Howling. It's oh, I fucking love that movie, and. uh but like the second one is such a downgrade. It's so fucking. It's almost like cheap. But I don't know, man. It has it an has awesome this, soundtrack. I it has a that. fucking. It has so much charm to it. I love it, man. Sybil Danny's fucking amazing in it. Uh, you know, yeah, I guess. Yeah, she's not very nice in person. To be completely honest. No. She was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, but. she was not not the nicest lady I've met, but better than Linda Blair. So. You know what? Um, the Howling 2, I'm a little bummed with this announcement because I actually a couple months ago picked up the DVD, which was semi-hard to get for a good price. I think I ended up pay- paying like $7 for it. Um, so that annoys me. Damn. But, uh, <laughs> man, you know what? Have you watched the it yet, JP? Films, no. I, I've only seen the first Howling film, which I was never blown away with. I've only seen it one time. I know Modes disagrees, but uh, oh, I mean, whatever. I one mean, of these your days, your opinion is your opinion. It's just it's my favorite werewolf film of all time. So yeah, of course I'm. I have an opinion, but one of these days I'm actually gonna sit down and watch all the whole Howling series because for some reason I like punishing myself with franchises. I just love doing it. It's it's fun <laughs> to me. Uh, uh, I hear the Howling is one of the worst. I still mm-mm. stand by Children of the Corn being. No way. The worst franchise. <laughs> no, I, I completely disagree, man. I, You know, honestly, like, The Howling is obviously, you know, classic to me. Part two, it's a bad film, but it's definitely watchable. It's it's pretty fun. Part three is very tedious for me. It's like uh, it's like an Australian production, too. It's really yeah. odd. The storyline's very uh, contrived. I don't it know. It has a it's big just, cult following over there, though, from what I hear. It, yeah, it, I really... I know it definitely has its fan base, which is interesting, but I can understand why people would like it. I don't really care for it. Part four is a piece of shit. Uh, part five and six, I actually really do like. I like both of those movies. They're very interesting. Um, but part two, man. Part six and part seven I've actually never seen. And part eight is, wow. Part eight is like fucking oddity, man. It's it's really not great at all. But, I mean, at least the Howling franchise, in my opinion, has four films out of, you know, eight that are decent you know yeah that's more than watchable this, uh silent night deadly night <laughs> yeah, well that's what i'm that's what i'm saying if you compare it to other franchises you know i mean for maybe five you know you know out of the eight films that are you know decent i mean that's not bad that's not bad yeah so. but i want to know how desperate christopher lee was when he was sitting there and he's like oh look it howling two i'm gonna read the script hey this is a good script let's do this movie this is total ass but, you know, sometimes when, like, I mean, I think if you read a script and, you know, it, it might appear to be decent. I think it's an execution yeah, of how it's actually done. How could right? that movie sound decent? Or, you know, sometimes you get people who don't follow the script who oh. decide to start changing a bunch of shit during production. I have to say, when I first saw the ending of The Howling 2, I saw it with a uh, uh, theater packed with people. And it's probably one of the best experiences I've had <laughs> at a movie theater before because it's so it's out of the blue it's just like when you watch a jp you'll know what i'm talking about and moods mm-hmm. knows what i'm talking about it just it appears out of nowhere and it's it's hilarious it's so funny yeah that would be that i'm one day i'm gonna watch all those it definitely probably, is, uh, odd 
It'll probably yeah. kick off around the time that, that uh, Howling 2 comes and out. And I want to know who okay. that band is that's playing at the end. <laughs> and uh, with that said, that's the end of the news, except for Jeremy has a few different things. So right now I'm going to kick it over to him. Oh, my turn. All right. Got some Fright Rags news going on right now. So got some new shirts coming out on January 14th. These are... Regular releases, not limited editions or anything like that. Um, they're releasing four designs. Um, two have been announced so far. The first one is a green uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles demon spoof. Um, oh, nice. It has all the turtles as demons, and it's green, and it has the turtles font. Um, it's, it's okay. It's not really my favorite shirt. I'm not going to get it, but that's one shirt. And then... They announced this awesome uh, Day of the Dead shirt that is coming out, and it's f- really, really awesome. And I'm excited to pick that one up because um, it's it's pretty cool. It's one of the cooler ones that I've seen. They did some Day of the Dead shirts back a year ago or so, and I guess um, they're doing another one. And it's pretty cool. So uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle mm-hmm. shirt is $24, and... Day of the Dead is, of course, three dollars more twenty-seven because it's in more of a licensed film. So, of course, they have to pay more royalties towards it. And finally, they have six new shirts that have been resurrected from the graveyard last week. We got a Beetlejuice shirt. We got the Beetlejuice shirt. We got the Cannibal Thanksgiving shirt that I've been wearing that you may see in some of my videos. Just what well, probably one of my favorite. Fright Rag shirts that was limited, and now, of course, they re-released it, which kind of sucks, but um, we got a Pinhead shirt, a Tarman shirt, the Blob shirt, and we have a, ooh, the Halloween baseball tee that I'm wearing right now got uh, re-resurrected. Resurrected. So those are all $24. I don't food. think you have to say re in, in front of resurrected. <laughs> resurrected just means back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Re-resurrected. <laughs> Res- re-resurrected. That just sounds funny. Okay. Jesus Christ. Those are all 24 minus 20%. I, w- so. I was really surprised to see that Halloween shirt re-resurrected. Re-resurrected. Hopefully it's better than Halloween resurrection. Yeah, I was uh, really surprised to see that one. I was like, damn, that's cool, man. Fuck. Awesome. I wonder if they'll ever do a Halloween re-resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> um that was it for the fried rag stuff yep that's it all right well i have a couple other announcements that jp didn't cover um I, these are notable to me because i'm a really really big fan of the company so uh intervision which is severin films that's just their other sub label that they have uh they announced another pair of bruno matai films um uh, which is fucking awesome man they're killing it with the releases right now man absolutely killing it um so they announced Island of the Living Dead by Bruno Matai, which is fucking fantastic, under the Intervision label, of course. And they also um, announced Zombies the Beginning, um, which is another Bruno Matai. If you if you look at the cover, it'll say Vincent Don, but that's one of his, like, 97 fucking Names. pseudonyms or yeah. aliases that he goes by. Because, yeah, you know, you know the story. And, uh, of course, don't forget, coming out, I believe, in February, uh, the... Uh, the the Definitive Guide Part 2 Video Nasties documentary is dropping on Severin 2. Um, I believe that we covered that I, at some point, but it is coming out uh, next month. So, yeah. Just some goodness from Severin Films. Absolutely love the company. So, 
I had to throw that out there. Dopeness, dopeness. I actually want to see that video nasties like one still. That's one that I want to check out. Dopeness, dopeness. Oh fuck, man. I it's so fucking good, man. It's so damn good. Like I watched everything. Like we watched all the trailers. Me and my buddy Dylan, we watched like literally like thirteen hours of it, man. It's fucking awesome. Um, well, actually, no, he didn't watch like the first part, but we watched like all the trailers, which see, is that's like something that I see, so cool. That's something that seems like you would have to watch it with somebody else, or it wouldn't be as fun as it is. It is really fun to actually watch the, you know, the talking about the movies and then the, yeah. all the trailers and stuff. The trailers are fun as fuck to watch, man. It's, yeah. it's such think, a good time. I feel man. like they're only be fun if you're like watching it with somebody else to be like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's like a perfect thing to throw on, you know, grab some beers, just bullshit because you don't really need to pay 100 percent attention. You know, you get the picture, right? And you need to get Shock Festival, man. I keep telling you that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend. I'm really looking forward to part two, man. I'm fucking another 13 hours of goodness. So yeah. Alrighty, so that's gonna conclude the news and the releases. Oh well, we didn't we didn't do the re- the DVD releases this week. It, we. <laughs> I know, I know, JP. I'm getting oh. into that. All right, so getting into mood swings, like JP just noted that we hadn't got to that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with the new releases for uh, January 13th, which is this Tuesday, of course, like it is every fucking week. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's very kind of scarce. It's a little – it's picking up, though. There is a few <laughs> – I shouldn't say more notable titles. There's just more titles than the previous couple weeks. But first off, from Screen Factory, we've got uh, Supernova, a Blu-ray release. Um, you buying this moves, of course. Yeah. You're gonna be the only one. Oh god, I I'm might buying be it. Pre- oh really? This movie is really, really not good. I, I told JP before it, it's really fucking bad. I, I honestly don't understand this release because it's not a horror film. It's like a sci-fi um, action adventure type. Yeah, film. but it's Ninja it's, Three a horror film. I mean, it's got supernatural elements. There is something there. This movie is like, I don't know. You'd have to see it, man. It, it's not great. It's not great at all. I but, feel like I've seen it before on the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, this one is actually on. I don't know if it's on American Netflix, but it's on Canadian Netflix. Actually, if you know if anybody want, out there wants to check it out or whatever. But um, I don't know, man. I'm not a really big fan of it to be honest. But anyways, that's coming out from. Scream Factory, of course. You know that that film actually does have a its first build as horror on IMDb, which huh. is interesting. Yeah, that's weird. Um, next up, we got a film called Valley of the Witch. Uh, this is being released by <laughs> Hanover House. I was like, what the fuck? Who the hell's that? I have no idea. Um, maybe it's one another one of those made up studio names on Amazon. <laughs> they always just kind of throw their yeah. own shit in there. Um, Valley of the witch. I'm assuming it's a witch film. Doesn't really look that intriguing to be honest. Uh, next up, we got a film called not human. Uh, this one is being released by peace arc Trinity. <laughs> How are these people? I don't know, man. This is making me fucking laugh. And I was going through this pregame. I was like, what the fuck is with these studios? This one kind of looks like a post-apocalyptic type deal. It's got a dude in an army suit with a fucking huge gun and a handgun and shit blowing up. And looks like shit. Maybe, it, maybe it's like an alien type. I don't know. Maybe it's post-apocalyptic. I don't know. I'm not going to sit there and read. The it looks press, like a goddamn video game. It, yeah, it does. It, it looks bad. It yeah. looks bad. 
then we got a, I believe this is like a, um, one of those, uh, box set type deals, 13 fright filled films at death's door. Uh, this is probably, yeah, it is released by Mill Creek. Creek. It was one or the other. It's like Mill Creek is the other echo bridge and echo bridge is the other Mill Creek. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this one has some, actually a couple interesting titles on here. Um, because I'm sure maybe these are, public domain but um this one actually has funeral home on it which is interesting really yeah that's very interesting i've never seen that on like a <laughs> compilation pack before I'm curious to see if it's a good transfer or not yeah because that only has that shitty release yeah i really fucking doubt it man that is no way gonna be a good transfer dude no because yeah, you look at the films of, on your, if it's like I mean, five bucks at walmart it's kind of worth it just to gamble and see if it's any good you know it's interesting they got lurkers on here um that was actually recently released by scorpion well last year you know double feature that's interesting to to be on here but oh what's this called lurkers no no the set oh the set is called at death's door 13 fright filled films yeah three disc sets uh 13 films you know of (laughs) course there's there's obviously some on there like don't look in the basement and stuff like that or now this one was intriguing though uh, this one is called uh, Horror Freak Fest Bundle Pack. It actually has five, uh, okay, 60 fright-filled films. Terror Theater movie collection. It's like a fucking box set. You know, they actually got... theme them, which I'm, like, happy with, though. Yeah, this this is actually kind of interesting because, yeah, there is definitely themes. So there's five different keep cases in it um, with, I'm assuming, 12 films in each, if you do the math correctly. Um but yeah, they do theme these out. Like the first disc is Zombies Unbrained 12 Film Flesh Fest. And you know, it's of course, it's got like all the fucking type of films that always appear on these multi-packs and stuff like Carnival All of the Souls. public domains. Um, you know, House of the Living Dead, you know, Mutant, Night of the Living Dead, Oasis of the Zombies, Teenage Zombies, White Zombie. Horror of <laughs> the Zombies is on here, which is also known as the Ghost Galleon, which is the third part in the Blind Dead series. So if anybody didn't know that, that's what it is. Yeah, that's... Um, that 13 horror-filled set that you just talked about is $4.89 on Amazon. So maybe it's worth it just to see if the fucking funeral <laughs> home transfer is any different than the... That, wow, 4 bucks is crazy. I want okay. to see that movie, too. So then they got... I, I like the second disc, or the second compilation one. The best of the worst 12 shocking films. The contents have, like, of course, all the fucking public domain films again you know it's got the terror in there uh the eight man the atomic brain the man, amazing transparent the man. dementia 13 yeah um so that you know whatever and then you got this one right here is like insane because i have like uh single copies of like every film on here american horror stories 12 movie collection it's got the bloody pit of horror which was released by something weird video bucket of blood don't answer the phone don't look in the basement the driller killer except you know etc um but now this one, the third one, or the fourth one is interesting. It's called Freak Show Cinema, 12 Horror Films. Now, these are all newer type films, and I haven't heard of any of these. So these are probably really low budget, maybe shot on video, shot on video, video garbage, whatever. But I haven't heard of one film. So that one actually kind of intrigued me, like Ground Below, By the Devil's Hands, The 666 Killer. Ooh, sounds terrifying. Uh, cold, creepy feeling, paranormal ex- exorcism. Oh, my God. Paranormal Exorcism. It's called Cold Creepy Feeling and then subtitled Paranormal Exorcism. Oh, That's man. insane. Uh, man, a lot of these ones are all like that. It's like Dark Measures, Gang Warfare. 
I don't know, man. kind of drug ones below that. Yeah, it's really – but all these movies are from like you know the mid-2000s to like present kind of thing. It's really trippy. And then the last one is Taboo Tales 12-movie collection and it's got like – Oh man, these are really old school too. Yeah. From like the 30s and 40s and 50s, and a lot Sex of these ones. Madness, have... reefer madness. Oh, reefer madness is that's crazy. Uh, the marijuana med- menace from 1937. The Can you believe that there was a film that came out in 1937 that was called the marijuana menace? Why reefer madness came Cast out in? Babies. I know, but this, it, I don't know. That just sounds funny, man. I want to get that documentary friends. about the people who uh, about the car crash films that Tom oh, yeah. talked about. There's oh, yeah. a documentary about like the accident films that used to be shown in the school. Like that sounds fucking cool. That's funny. Uh, then of course we got a film called Night Crew. Now looking at this cover art, it just instantly reminded me of Nightbreed. The way the fucking the the font is and stuff. I don't know. It just reminded me of that. It's starring Danny Trejo and Jason Jason Muse. Oh, gotta get it. Got my name. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Jason Muse isn't even on the fucking cover. So yeah, funny. Well, hopefully he speaks more lines than Silent or Deadly. Uh yeah, released by E1. I don't know, man. Danny Trail appears in every fucking movie. Yep. It's ridiculous. Uh we got a double feature, sci-fi double feature here. Crawl and Space Hunter. Um yeah, I love Crawl. It's fucking amazing. Um this is one film that I've been interested in seeing. Honeymoon is coming out from Magnet. Uh I know this one I think yeah, I, I think seen that it one's on been a- getting some good reviews on top 10 lists and shit. Just one yeah, to see. I- I've seen some people's reviews. You know, it was kind of hit and miss, but, uh, you know, it sounded intriguing. It's definitely one of those films I think you have to check out for yourself, for your own, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then we got Jezebel. Uh, I don't really know much about this. You guys no, know it seems like it's ghostly. I think it's PG-13, too. Okay. Yeah, it's ghostly for sure. So from the producer of, of Insidious and the Purge, stock, Jezebel. Yeah, it's like a... Yeah, it's it says from the producer, like that pisses me possession. off, man. I think it's like a possession film or something like that. But you know how it goes. Jezebel. I hate that fucking title. It's awful. Um, then we got uh, the third installment in the Monster Madness uh, documentary, I guess, trilogy. Uh, Monster Madness, the gothic revival of horror. Uh, there is two more volumes of this. So it's, you know, talking about, you know, monster films from back in the day and stuff like that. So the third installment of that. Chemical and then, Burn. Uh, is, is that who puts it out? Chemical Burn? I think so. Interesting. You know, I've, I'm wanting to. Che- I wanted to check out the first two, and I never got around to checking them out. But uh, this is Bayview Entertainment, Widowmaker. That could be Chemical Burn. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, those they sound a little intriguing. And we've got Alien Abduction here, which I thought was already out on DVD, but maybe isn't that IFC? Um, I don't think so. Huh. Alien Abduction. I remember people doing reviews for this like a long time ago and stuff. But it says freestyle digital media. I don't know what the hell that is, but um, I know that was another one that was very kind of, you know, hit and miss with the reviews and whatnot. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, then we've got uh, the Ouija Resurrection. <coughs> the Ouija Experiment 2. Okay, seriously, there's... An Ouija 2 already? I don't, I don't know. Is Wait, this a sequel to this? Is game? that an asylum? It sounds like oh. asylum to me. <laughs> What's it called? A Ouija 2? It's called the Ouija, the Ouija Resurrection. Huh. So I'm wondering if this – it probably doesn't have anything to do with the new one. I don't know. Who, maybe it does. Who knows? Dude, why the hell did they make the Ouija Re-Resurrection already? It's ridiculous. 
I don't have the fucking slightest clue. That's just absolutely ridiculous. But anyways, that's all I have for releases. Um, I noticed that Amazon has uh, Demon Queen, I guess, is is on here too. But that's been released <coughs> a long time ago. Maybe it's just like a re-release by Masker Video. But Demon Queen shot on video from the 80s. And yeah, that's all I got for releases. You got anything else, JP? I do not. I do not. I don't think so now. But, uh, dude, what a shit week. Is there anything there worth picking up? Not according to the, these sources, no. Um, no. Maybe <laughs> Honeymoon. I know yeah, Honeymoon, Honeymoon was the one cool. title that I was interested in. I wanted to check it out. I, I like those simple premises and, you know, I'm curious to see what the outcome is of that, of that one. Because, you know, that's like every reviewer is like, you know, can't give away the ending. So I'm curious. But, Yeah. Alrighty, so, uh, yeah, fucking releases, man. When is shit going to pick up? So never. bad. You know, it's never going to pick up. Actually, next week, I, I there, you know, there's a little bit more releases. There's some very notable funny ones next week, which we'll get into. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah. Alrighty, so yeah, that's going to do it for the new releases that are coming out January 13th, 2015. Still weird saying 2015, I have to admit that. Um, but, uh, JP, do we got some voicemails we up have in this B.I.H.? We have one vo- voicemail, and that is uh, from our good pal, Brandon, who definitely... Oh, the loyal Brandon. Loyal as hell. All right, so... My fellow G. Hey, guys, it's Brandon calling in. Just uh, calling to say looking forward to the Top 10 show. I know you guys are excluding the battery because it's technically 2013, but I just couldn't keep it off my list. It was clearly number one by my landslide, so I put it on there. Uh, this week I felt I'd ask you guys about conventions. Thinking about hitting up, hitting up my first uh, convention this spring. I don't know which one. I'm going to have to check to see where they are, but um, yeah, just want to know about the experience, how many you guys have been to, stuff like that. Yeah, that's about it. All right, guys. Uh, looking forward to it. Take care. Bye. This spring, so maybe <clears throat> I'm not sure where Brandon's located, but if he's anywhere near, you know, the Midwest, Ohio. yeah, near the Midwest or whatever, um, definitely go to Wasteland because I, I always hear from people that do the convention t- uh, circuit and stuff. They always like or they always talk the best about Wasteland because it's yeah. so chill and there's no lineups yeah, and yeah, everyone's yeah. friendly and it's just the way it's set up and it's really good to go. So. So my first experience was really good that way, not even have not having to deal with lineups and all that other bullshit that goes along with the, these conventions. I heard like Day of the Dead and stuff. Like some of those ones are just they get fucking tedious and you're yep. in line for two hours. And for myself, I would just say fuck it. I don't need to meet famous people that bad to wait in line for two fucking hours. I just I had better things to do, like go and buy movies. <laughs> <laughs> you know spend the money that you're gonna spend standing in line on movies. Exactly, I've, I've right? learned that going to conventions. Yeah, You'll, you you so. can blow a wad quite easily if you're not paying attention to what the fuck you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what I plan to do. Especially if you, you know, walk in there like, huh, I'm gonna get these two things signed, and then you realize, oh shit, it's it's you have to pay double because you're getting two things signed. It's not like you get one for two. You have to yeah. pay for each thing that's signed. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I agree. Like after going to Wasteland, it's even being sick like I was, it was. It was really a chill, chill experience, and everyone – you could tell that, oh, these are the real 
these are the real fans, not, you know, the bitchy people who are there to get their stuff signed and then go on eBay and flip it for money. These people know their shit and they are, you know, they're into the things that we love. They're not, you know, like Day of the Dead and Flashback Weekend, which I go to, you know, I've been to twice. And I've been to Day of the Dead once. You know, it's more of a mainstream community because it's more people that – it's more actors that people uh, recognize. It's not like us who, you know, are going to Cinema Wasteland to meet this this porn star from the 80s that no one really gives two shits about besides mm-hmm. us. So, um, yeah, Wasteland is probably the best convention that you could go to if you like the movies that we talk about and things like that. But – if you don't, if you don't have the opportunity to, um, I would have to see where Brandon is from. But if he's on the he's east, from New Jersey, New Jersey. So you're on the East Coast. So yeah, there's some uh, monster fuck. I can't remember what it's called, but there's this one convention that, in New Jersey that's really good. It's one of the better ones. Well, even but, though though, like you know, being in New Jersey, like he's closer to Wasteland than I am, and I'm going. And, yeah. You know, I think even Adrian, like he's in California. Yeah, he's in um, California. So we're basically in the same kind of boat. We're right on the far west coast. So I mean, like, you know, we're making our way over there. So you got no excuse, buddy. <laughs> the Wasteland's way closer for you, but um, yeah, Wasteland, you know, is is a convention that I am really drawn to because of what it really stands for it's more about like you know promoting indie films and and that type of culture and stuff and that's what i love and respect the most like i mean i mean i'm not going to get onto this underground or indie argument it's awesome if they could kick out those bootleggers right in the front of the showroom it would probably be the best convention that you could go to but after last year and walking in and seeing that 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 pissed me off and it kind of left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth right off the bat that why does yeah. nobody those, say anything like you have those blue like, like can you say something can you be like hey, i just why don't understand how this? they're allowed to be right in the front it's like the first thing you see is a bootleg it's like a table the last full of bootlegs. <laughs> damn it that yeah see good. my thing is i don't really i've never been to a convention and i'm gonna be highly depressed if i i missed uh wasteland which at this point, I, I really don't even know how I would get there. So it, it, it's it's really just like messing with me. I'm like kind of bummed about that. Take a greyhound, man. I don't know how to do that. I really don't like that. That's like just something that I've never. I mean, I guess I could, right? It's not very hard. <laughs> I mean, you living in uh, Chicago, you probably use a lot of different means yep. of transportation yeah, besides yeah. driving but oh yeah you know, it's driving or nothing here mm-hmm. so well what's what's the biggest city closest to you pittsburgh like how the, far is it? it it's only like 40 minutes away oh so you're like a suburb of pittsburgh yeah kind of i mean i like oh, i'm surprised uh, it's like in the middle of nowhere like you've been talking about it it's, it's like not 40 minutes really. from pittsburgh it's just i don't know it, i like i kind of make it i i, I amplify like how that it is around here, but it's it's really not. I mean, I live close enough to mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Yeah, but uh, I I mean, you like I think that's one of the more interesting things about going to a convention is since we're such a you know close community, I feel like if you know something like Wasteland where it feels like everybody on YouTube and a lot of people in the group and stuff are probably going to go to Wasteland. Yeah, so. everyone knows each other. Like 
the minute we walk out of the car we're walking into wasteland there's jason from beyond the realm hey, moods of course he knows moods because everybody knows moods but you know it's like people know each other yeah so the internet and things like that my advice to brandon would probably be like if you're gonna pick one maybe pick something like wasteland where you know a bunch of people are gonna go because i think going to a convention and just going kind of by yourself or with another friend and and that's it um and then versus going where you're gonna meet like tons of people that you you know from online and stuff like i think that sounds like the most fun more than just uh-huh. just hanging out with like See, one now, JP, or something. Th- th- this should be motivation enough to get your fucking ass there i know right? you know that this year is going to have a lot of people like there's a lot of people that are going you know and potentially going this this could be a fucking insane year epic yeah, like it's literally even, epic. Even the guest lineup is epic enough as it is. I mean, it's the Day of the Dead, 30th anniversary. But and if I mean, Ryan Nicholson shows up and previews Gutterballs too, my dick's gonna be harder than a rock. Yeah, apparently. And like I said, like there's so many people from our community that are going, and you know that's what's really kind of get me excited the most. And you know, besides the actual convention, is all these people that we do talk to and associate with on a daily basis. You know, we get to actually meet up and have some beers and kick it and just being real normal people you know and then a few hours later piss on the floor because you have no idea what's going on well i mean yeah that happens i guess but but you know so but i think yeah i I think it's gonna be fucking gnarly man i'm so looking forward to this and yeah i'm gonna blow a shitload of money i'm gonna save up a lot of fucking cash and just go ape shit this year not even not even cinema wasteland you got pre-cinema wasteland yeah they're gonna spend even more money I think I might actually have to ship a, a box home of movies. <laughs> I don't want you know to what? check it. It'll cost me more to check it than it will to ship it. it didn't check it cost you that much to check it last time, did you? It did not cost you anything. It was just my normal bag, but I mean, yeah. I mean, shipping, you know, checking now, it's just expensive. Mm-hmm. They've gone up, so yeah. You know, uh, even when I messaged Dubby to see if, uh, you know, to get his. Uh, his pri- you know, give him his prize that he has to send to Kel or whatever. Um, Kill, Kel, man, goddammit. Kyle. So Kill. <laughs> um, but he even, you know, before we closed our conversation, he even, uh, messaged me back and was like, hey, man, are you going to Wasteland? I'm, I'm gonna try to go out and stuff. And it's like, goddammit, like, I have to make this happen. I, I don't know how I'm going to, but I really need to try to make it happen. You really do, man. Yeah, it's going to be, be fun awesome. as hell. Especially if you get put on the Cinema Wasteland floor with all the other drunks. It's quite fun. Even though I was puking my guts out, it was still fun. Yeah, so I, hope that, yeah. I hope that answers your uh, voicemail, Brandon. If you, if you decide to go um, to Wasteland or you know one of those type, I think it's in April. It actually falls yeah. on my birthday, which is pretty cool. Um, you Second know, week April of 10th. April. Yeah, so uh, you know, definitely let us know, and then you know, shit, let everybody know. Yeah. Now we just have to get Scotty there because I know he likes to go in October, but. Yeah, I didn't really talk to Scotty about it, but I I asked Danny. I was like, man, you gotta make it. And he's like, oh, I was thinking about it, but I think it'd be fucking cool if everyone shows up, man. Oh, it's gonna be fucking gnarly. Good times. Yeah. So yeah awesome stuff but yeah i mean i really don't have a lot of of experience with conventions i mean solely due to the fact of where i live we don't really get a lot but we have been getting some in vancouver i know there was one i can't even fucking remember the name of it uh i know tom savini was there i think last year and stuff like that so i mean they're starting to come up there which is nice in the west because that was one thing that people always used to complain about here is that we never get any type of conventions obviously in the toronto circuit you get a lot of 
you know, a lot of stuff going on there. So much but stuff here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like it makes sense though, right? Because Toronto's just north of you guys. There's something but, here every weekend, literally. Yeah. Like I think tonight, uh, Cannibal Holy uh, Cannibal Holocaust 35 millimeters playing downtown. That's fucking gnarly. Yeah, there's something every week, like I said. Yeah, that doesn't happen for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, especially not where I'm from. But uh, all right, so. That's why we all need to live close to each other. JP, move to Chicago like you were talking about. I need to. (laughs) Definitely need to do something. You could go every week and have fun. I know. (laughs) Uh, So was that it for the uh, voicemails, JP? Yeah, that's it. All righty. So continuing along with uh, Mood Swings, we'll get into the corners report for this week. Uh, This is coming from... What issue is this? The June 2013 issue with uh, the Maniac remake on the cover. Elijah Wood, very vibrant cover. What a surprise uh, that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, there was actually quite a few good ones here on the Corners Report from the Weird Stacks and Morbid Facts uh, for this month. Um, I didn't really know which one I'm going to go with. I'm, I'm still kind of even contemplating it right now. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll go with uh, mm, this one right here. Um, no, you're not gonna make that. <laughs> he here. changed fate. He changed fate. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I gotta go with this one because this is such a fucking weird thing to. I, I can't even. This is just odd. This is just weird. Okay, remember this is from 2013, so it says earlier this year. Customers in a California Home Depot outlet watched in horror as a man in his 40s plucked a pair of saws off one of the store's shelves and attempted to cut off both of his arms. That's pretty baller. How the fuck does this even happen? How does this happen? First of all, if you cut off one arm with a saw, how the fuck are you going to cut off your other arm? (laughs) Yeah. Well, unless you go like this. It's like, yeah, man, that's, that's a weird one. Now, if he cut off the arm and then attached the saw to the arm, he would have went full Bruce Campbell. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. But yeah, that's a weird one. Can you imagine you're just like working at Home Depot in your minimum wage job and you look over and some dude's like hacking off his arms? You know what's funny? When I took you can't wood get any shop, better than that. When I took wood shop in high school, I used to always uh, – it was the last period of the day and woodshop was such an easy class, you know. So I would always go to the bathroom and then just chill and, you know, bullshit with people in the bathroom. That's when everybody took their smoke breaks at the final like 10 minutes of the day. Um, so every time when I would come back for the first like month, there would be blood on the floor and I'd be like, God damn it. I missed it again. Somebody would like cut off their finger nearly and, uh, I would miss it. There'd just be blood and I'd be like, how, what is going on here? Like, how do these fools keep cutting their hands? This is easy. (laughs) Wow. Sounds like a really safe class. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. So yeah, that's gonna do it for mood swings. And moving along into the what we watch portion of the show, which I like to call the WWW portion of the show of the show. Um who's up? Who wants to go first? What do you guys watch this week? You go first this week. How about you that? want me to go first? Okay, I can do that. Um okay. First up from uh nineteen seventy two is a film called What the Peepers Saw. Uh, this is a Blu-ray <laughs> that I checked out. Uh, That's it's a weird really, title. 
Yeah, I think it's also known as the Night Child. I think the alternate title is the Night Child. If the Night Child. Yeah, uh, this one's from 1972. Uh, it's released by VCI. This is like an exclusive Blu-ray or something to the website. You can only get it on the website. It's pretty odd. Uh, it's starring uh, Britt Eklund. She was actually um, she's like a Swedish actor. I recognized her from uh, a James Bond film. I think she was like a Bond girl. Odd or uh, awesomely enough in this film, she bears it all. It's pretty awesome. Everything. Um, yeah, man, she's pushing hot. All. Man fucking hot actually you know they don't even they don't show her muff i don't think um but there's some very uh this this film man wow um basically it's about a uh um well i'll, I'll start off by saying it's like a it's like a psychological thriller type film um it's basically about you know her character she's married she just recently married um like an older author and whatnot um the film starts out where this woman gets killed in this bathtub or she dies in this bathtub. She gets electrocuted and whatnot. And the story is, is that, you know, this famous author, his wife dies in this, uh, you know, this tragic fucking bathtub accident and whatnot. It jumps right forward. And it's like, it doesn't actually say how much later it is because now she's married to this famous author and whatnot. And they've, the author has like a 12 year old son and stuff like that. Anyways. So, this famous author, he's like an American author. He moves his family, his new family to um, like this remote area in Spain to do some writing and just get away from it all. And uh, with, I still always thought it was odd that they didn't really specify like how much in the future it was, but I guess it's kind of irrelevant. But anyways, they're married, they're doing their thing and stuff like that. And they've got this, he's got this 12 year old boy by uh, the name of Marcus. Now, Marcus is quite the little fucking Bitch. motherfucker <laughs> in this film. Now, you know, Britt Eklund's character, her name is Elsie. Uh, she is like, you know, basically like a stay-at-home mom. The father, like I said, he's an author, but he's always gone. It's weird. He's an author, but he's like never at home. Usually authors write at home, so I thought that was odd too. But, um, you know, she starts to figure that there's something up with Marcus. Like Marcus is a really odd person. You know, he's 12 years old. He does weird things. He says weird things. He's been getting in a lot of trouble at school and whatnot. One thing leads to another and she starts kind of like really kind of watching Marcus and stuff like that. And then she starts to think that he possibly had something to do with the death of his own mother. And, you know, she really starts kind of looking into it and it's just like kind of getting real deep into it. And, and as, you know, as the story progresses, Marcus is getting in a lot of shit at school. He's causing problems at home and whatnot. And the father is completely on his son's side. He's like, there's no fucking way that, you know, she even brings it up to the father. She's like, you know, I think maybe he had something to do with the mother's death and stuff just by what he said in his actions and stuff like that. And as the movie progresses, she finds like odd things in the house, like peepholes and like all this weird shit and stuff that's going on. And, uh, <clears throat> So, you know, I'll basically just leave it right there. I can't really say a whole lot about this film. You know, with psychological thrillers, you can't really say a whole lot yeah. without giving anything away. Um, so it's basically her being paranoid or is she not being paranoid of this young boy and his, you know, his actions, you know, of what he's done in the past and whatnot. Um, now, she has this major conflict with him. You know, he's very conniving and this one leads to some really fucked up scenes, man, really fucked up scenes. Like she really wants to get it out of Marcus that he had something to do with his mother's death because she is totally convinced that he killed his own mother and he starts fucking with her big time, man. There's a scene in this film. It's, it's really fucking weird. It's actually 
this scene right here happens before she starts really interrogating uh, Marcus and really looking into like, you know, what the fuck is this kid up to? There's a scene where he's taking a bath and I thought this was odd. Now you have to remember this is 1972. Th- these type of movies do not get made anymore. Yeah. Because there is some really subjective and like really on screen things that just would not happen nowadays. Um, it's just <laughs> not politically correct. Um, but um, there's a scene where like he's supposedly 12 years old. He's taking a bath. She she walks into the room. She starts telling him something about his father or whatnot. And he starts kind of hitting on his stepmother. And he literally grabs her tits. I was like, holy fuck. Like, it's pretty fucking wild, you know. Um, so, you know, you got this whole kind of weird relationship going on with the, the stepmother and the child. And, um, there's another scene in the film that, uh, you know, essentially she ends up getting naked in front of the child. I'm not going to say what the conversation was and what was going on and stuff, but she really is naked. Like, you know, like generally in these scenes, you can edit it together Mm -hmm. where, you know, they show her and they show him they're in the same scene. And she's fucking naked in front of this 12-year-old kid. And like he's like 12, 13 in like real life. Um, so you got all this like really kind of taboo things that are going on and shit like that. And like I said, it's a psychological thriller. So, you know, you really don't know what the fuck's going on in the film until like the end. The end is very, you know, I still don't really f- uh, know how I completely feel about the end. The end is fucked up. But overall, the film is a very type slow burner, really good characters. I thought Mark Lester, the the child actor that played Marcus, he was brilliant. This very conniving, very believable. His acting is outstanding. Actually, one of the best child performances I've ever seen in a film. I think he did a great job. You know, the father is definitely the, you know, the, the character that's on the outskirts of the film. It's, the film is basically about the stepmother and the, and the son. There, There's very few characters in this entire film. It's very odd. Uh, but I think their chemistry and, and, and how everything develops and, you know, Elsie's paranoia and, you know, uh, Marcus's fucking craziness works so well in the film. I think it's fantastic. Really, really well done. Um, but, you know, with that said, I think this is a film that's not for everybody. It's a really slow type burn um, character, kind of driven psychological thriller. Uh, good cinematography, some very, very awkward scenes that kind of go, holy fuck, man, this is definitely a product of its time. You'd never see this shit in films nowadays. There's no fucking way you'd ever see this in films, uh, especially with, you know, a grown lady making out with a child. You know, you never fucking see shit like that. <laughs> um, but overall, man, it, it, you know, it's a psychological thrill at the end of the day. So, you, you know, I can't say anything else, but it's really well done. Uh, I give it about a seven and a half out of ten. Um, it's definitely worth the look. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, you know, it's definitely not for everybody. You know, you have to like slow burn films. If you don't like them, then probably stay clear. I don't know. I, I don't know. But like I said, you know, Britt Eklund, she gets naked in the film, which is pretty, pretty. Actually, it's quite sleazy at times, too. It's very sleazy, which is nice. It's kind of like it's not subtly sleazy, but there is multiple scenes with nudity and stuff. And it's just. It's, it's great. The film starts. The very first thing you see in the film is tits. And you're just like, yeah, great start. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. But like I said, man, it's it's kind of an oddity. It's a weird film with really weird undertones and weird things going on and shit. And you don't see this in films every day, you know, especially now. So that's why I really enjoyed it. But, you know, of course, it's called What the Peepers Saw from 1972. Uh Give it a shot, you know, if you can locate it. Like I said, this one's exclusive to the VIC website, um, so I grabbed it. Uh, Blu-ray looks really good, so 
check it out. Nice, nice. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, the film that I seen first, I didn't get to talk about it last week, so I'll cover it now. And that is uh, Tusk from the year 2014. Of course, this is the uh, Kevin Smith closer to making a horror film film. Uh, <laughs> this one, uh, I think, starts off really good. I, I like the setup. Um, you can tell that the story of how this film came about definitely influenced the beginning of the film. Uh, basically, we have Justin Long, who is a podcaster on a hit show called The Nazi Party. That's N-O-T-S-E-E. Um, not the other Nazi. Uh, so basically the idea is he'll go and find some stupid videos on the internet and then he'll go out in the real world and interview these people and then bring it back to his co-host and describe it. Uh, that's why it's called the not see party. Um, so, you know, he, he gets a video so of this guy up in Canada. Uh, he decides to travel, Canada! pay the $500 to go out up uh, up to the north and and interview this kid well he gets there and the com- kid community committed suicide so now he just wasted a bunch of money going to canada and doesn't have an interview um so he's at a bar where he sees this weird note on the wall that says um essentially uh, you know i was a man who lived most of his life at sea um i'm living alone i'm disabled i want to have somebody uh be with me um i will offer free um living arrangements you just have to clean up and listen to all my stories because i have way too many stories to share with with you know with people to die alone and not share them uh, so Justin Long was like, this is fucking weird. Let's go to this guy's house. He goes to the house. Uh, the guy starts telling these crazy stories. Um, essentially, Justin Long wakes up in a wheelchair with his leg missing. And then uh, we find out about some walrus. And, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know how much to give away. I know a lot of people know what the story is, but I'll just leave it right there for the people who might not know. So this film definitely is a comedy. Uh, there's some horror elements to it. Uh, they, the first half of the film, they really, really bash Canada in a fun way. Um, and I was just dying. I was like, I can't wait till Mood sees this. Um, definitely all Jesus Christ, what is this fucking South Park over again or what? <laughs> yeah. Fuck those Canadians. <laughs> definitely yeah, fuck those Canadians. All the stereotypes are there. And, um, you know, the whole Aboot thing is definitely used for <laughs> definite comedic effect. <laughs> See, I, I, I find that so funny, too, because Kevin Smith actually went to Vancouver Film School, and which is in Vancouver in the West Coast, and we don't say a boot over here. <laughs> People in the East Coast say a boot, and I, I always give my family shit because I got family that lives in Ontario, and they talk like that, and I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? Did you uh, just say a boot? But do they say grade 9, JP? Ninth uh, grade. Grade nine. Yeah, I think they do actually. Really? They might have, but it's funny. um, You know, also uh, Kevin Smith um, was on Degrassi, which is you know the next generation, which is the uh, you know reincarnation of the original Degrassi High show. Which I'm a huge fan of both. I actually like both, and there's actually a Degrassi joke in there. Well, he actually bought all the rights to the original show, right? Because he was such a huge fan, he actually bought that show. That's why he became a part of it. But the the franchise wouldn't actually let him actually write for the new you know when he was appeared in those shows he wanted to write and direct but they just allowed him to just direct those episodes and stuff jane says bob goes to degrees kind of interesting yeah 
Yeah. Such a huge fan of the show. I mean, you know, it's the a good jokes show, are, man. It's... They're all in good taste. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I know they're in good taste because Kevin, he always talks about how much he loves Canada. I mean, yeah. for fuck's sakes, man, he he rocks an Edmonton Oilers jersey every day of his life. I'm sure they've been getting smaller and smaller as he's dwindling away. Dwindling away. Yeah, <laughs> he's lost so much fucking weight over the last year. It's but it's definitely in good fun. I don't think anybody, unless you're like a just dick, would be offended by it. Um, I was I was laughing. I, I found the Canadian jokes to work pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of ones in there that are quite obvious to make um, that you know anybody joking about Canada would probably come up with. But you know, there's some funny ones in there that sneak by that you n- might not notice. I'm sure there's ones that I didn't even notice. But you know, that's all that's all fun stuff. There's there's a cameo by his daughter uh, or daughters, uh, which I thought they did a pretty good job. They, they work at a gas station. They're the clerks of the movie, which was pretty cool. Um, then <laughs> there is, and it would have been another, so epic if they had Brian O'Hallen as the clerk of the gas station. The, there's another uh, cameo. I, I'm not sure how much people know about this film, so I, I'm not going to spoil it. But I mean, it's it's a great character, hilarious. Uh, you know what, though, man, I feel like if this film would have been a straight horror film, I don't know, man. I think it might have worked. It, it it might come off cheesy. Uh, but uh, it it's fucking weird and freaky, man. It's some freaky. The effects that they use for the walrus are fucking freaky, dude. And I just think that um, he probably sat down and made a decision where he's like, okay, if I go full horror, it might come off really, really cheesy. So I'm just going to start cheesy and funny from the beginning. And uh, I'm not quite sure what the right choice was. It works, but at the same time, I feel like I feel like it's a little ridiculous at times too. It's supposed to be. It's a walrus thing, but I don't know. I feel like after like the setup, they really didn't know what to do with it. And I've heard other people say that too, and I'm gonna agree. Um, it's still a fun watch, but by the I like the first half way more than the second half. Uh, I give uh, Tusk a seven out of ten. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I really want to see this one. I'm a, I'm a big. I Kevin think you're Smith gonna fan, love it. So. Yeah, I think I'll like it too. So, it seems like it's up my alley. You know, it's funny actually. Just before the show, I was checking out a um, a blog site, and it was, you know, um, you know, best of you know 2014 stuff. And you know that cameo that you were talking about actually was that person's worst uh, acting of the year, or whatever. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's not. I, like I, I know what you're talking about. It was, it was ruined for me like a long time ago that yeah, that person was too. in the film. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck. But it, it was funny because I, I was reading and they said it was like the worst acting of the year. <laughs> I was like, really? I mean, I, I hear the thing. accent is pretty because it's a French Canadian accent. So I, I hear that that's pretty bad. But if you're if you're unfamiliar with what an actual French Canadian accent sounds like, you might not notice you know like i just mm-hmm. think of gsp that's like the only person i know so <laughs> um yeah i mean that that's a pretty that's a pretty um good one <laughs> right there yeah um, good source but yeah i mean honestly it, it, it's fun i think a lot of people are gonna like this especially if you don't mind like goofy and silly and and cheesy and stuff because that's definitely what this is i thought the actor that we're talking about i thought had some of the funniest lines in the whole damn thing though so um you know, mad props for getting that actor and, you know, giving them some fun stuff to work with. Because you could tell that this they were having fun making this film. And uh, it definitely bleeds through into what you're actually watching. Um, and, I, you know, it, I, I feel like I was a little hard on it. But at the same time, 
it's it, I, I think this seven out of ten is very appropriate for this film. What Jeremy, you've seen this one, didn't you? Uh long time. Like run first guy. What did you rate it? I didn't review it on the show. What would you rate it? Um that's six and a half. Okay, so that's where you watch it. Where I came in, a little yeah. lower. Yeah. All right, it's you, man. Um, am I up? Yep. All right. Yep. All right. So the first flick I'm going to be talking about tonight is, of course, a French film. As you guys know, I'm extremely into French cinema right now, and I've been watching a whole bunch of French films. So you should just French kiss them then. Yeah. Right. We're we'll talking <laughs> about uh. Gaspar Noe's third film and his latest film. It's from 2010, so it's already five years old already, but I know he's working on another one right now. It's coming out this year. but So that will be cool, a new French film coming out in 2015. But um, it's titled Enter the Void. And um, if you guys are familiar with Gaspar Noe, you pretty much know the way that he likes to tell his narratives. It's, he's a very, very strange, strange storyteller and director. And while I'm not a huge fan of his work, to be completely honest, I think I Stand Alone is quite an overrated film. And it's not one of my favorite French films, to be completely honest. And Irreversible, while it's really good and interesting and it has an interesting narrative, it's been done before. But it's still a quite solid film for coming out in the early 2000s. So after like an eight, seven or eight year Aspen's or, you know, delay, uh, Enter the Void got released, and it really made an interesting impact on the Toronto Film Festival when it got released because it's it has a very, very interesting uh, cinematography, and the way that he directed the film is very, very strange and very, very original in my opinion. Um, the film basically follows our main character. His name's Oscar and um it takes place in tokyo which is already awesome and um he he lives with his younger sister and the way that he makes his living is he deals drugs and one night when he's dealing drugs he gets um he gets killed and we follow oscar um it's like a 20 25 minute sequence as he makes this deal that he's going to get killed at and it's filmed completely in first-person perspective for the first 25 minutes of the film, which is extremely, extremely interesting. Like I said, once it, that's been done before, you know, point of view type of shots and things like that. But really, really interesting to see it in an aspect in a you know semi-horror film like this one is. So we see him, uh, you know, in this point of view shots, and as he's doing, he's doing drugs and things like that, and it's. It includes like all these hallucinogen sequences and thoughts that he has inside of his head, and you hear all these kind of things. It's very, very strange and really, really, really interesting and original. So when he gets to the drug deal, like I said, he unfortunately gets killed, and everything from that point on is um, still in Oscar's perspective, but it's um, his spirit floating around, and he is witnessing um his life from beginning and end in a um in his perspective as his spirit floating around and things like that so we started at the beginning of his life when we learned that his parents uh die in a car crash and things like that and his sister and um, him were sent to a foster home 
and uh, they lived together there for a few years, and then they got separated and things like that, which is why his relationship with his sister in the beginning of the film is quite is quite tight and interesting. So, um, you know, we learn a little bit more of his life type of story, and after that, uh, we spend the rest of the time observing Linda and things like that, and the rest of uh, Linda's life. Um, this film, very, very, very interesting and um, a really, really unique and interesting filming style with this one. And on the back, it even says memorizing camera work. And I totally, totally agree with that. Um, this is probably my favorite Gaspar No film. Um, it's quite long. It's 161 minutes long, which I agree that after you're done with it, it feels like you're going to have to take a nap because it's a very draining and um, emotional binding film that you have with these characters. And the fact that um, he uses acid trips and things like that on top of the um, on top of the filming style, it really, really uh, creates a disoriented uh, experience in the viewer after they watch the film. So, um, unfortunately... Uh, when it debuted at Cannes, there was a 163-minute cut, but um, it got it got cut two minutes, and now the film, which we see, is 161 minutes long, and the theatrical cut, you know, is like 155 minutes long. So every every cut's different, but the cut by IFC is supposedly the best cut that you could get of the film. So. Highly, highly recommend it if you like weird films. Like I said, it's not a completely a French film. I mean, it's shot in English, but it's directed by a French director. So check it out. It's really good. Um, eight and a half out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I need to watch this movie, man. I, <clears throat> I picked it up when I was, uh, uh, well, in Chicago with you. Yeah, it has very, very bright Some... neon lights, flashing lights. It's, it's strange. I like. I think the setting of Tokyo really sets the film apart from a lot of other French films because we really don't see uh, them leaving France too often when I've noticed watching these French films. So to see a French director leave France or Canada to go shoot something, it's quite interesting, and I think it really works. So check it out. It's a long one. Like I said, you're going to have to probably devote uh, two hours and 45 minutes of your time, but it's well worth it. Check it out. Yeah, I got to get to that one, man, sooner or later. I love my uh, French flicks also. All right, so uh, next film up here uh, that I checked out this week is a film from 2001. It's uh, from Germany, so it is in German. You got to read this motherfucker. Um, But, you know, fortunately, it's not that long. It only runs about 73 minutes. Released by Unearthed Films, and it's called Hunting Creatures. I recently picked this one up because... You know, solely because it was released on Unearthed Films, and I every time I run, you know, find one of those in the wild or whatever, I definitely grab it because you know it's Unearthed, right? You never know what you're going to get, really. Um, basically, this one is about a group of like, you know, thugs, outcasts. They pull off this heist, um, and uh, you know, later on they want to, you know, they actually set up this rave at this like, you know, uh, warehouse, this warehouse like way out in the fucking boonies boondocks whatever the fuck you want to call it anyways they pull off this heist they set up this rave and whatnot but anyways this warehouse is housing two. it's kind of like a dual thing it's like an empty warehouse but like in the back of it there's like this test lab kind of thing going on and there's like some really weird experiments going on and shit like that uh 
<laughs> but anyways, so these people show up to this rave and whatnot. And what they don't know is, like I said, you know, there was experiments going on in here. Anyways, a bunch of these experiments didn't go exactly how they wanted to. So they put like the remains of these experiments like into this vat kind of deal. But anyways, this fucking vat started fucking leaking like all this crazy shit out and it starts infecting the guests and they turn zombie. And now these thugs and shit like that, they got to fucking battle, battle their way out of there and, uh, you know, kind of survive. It's like a survival thing, you know? So it's a premise of the film. Uh, not very original, of course. Um, <laughs> to be honest, man, this movie's like super, super fucking low budget. Uh, it's like a German splatter flick though. The best thing about this movie is the gore. You know, it's really low budget, but man, is it ever splattery. There's so much fucking over the top blood and gore, uh, guts and, you know, crazy shit going on, but it's just not original, man. You know, it's just, you know, when you watch new way or not, like newer zombie films, this one's actually quite old, I guess. Now it's like 14 years old, which is fucking insane or 13 years old, 14. Um, but you know, I just, I want to see something that is kind of original, you know, and it, it really isn't, man. It The setup is fucking non-existent. Like, it just gets right into it. There's no character development at all with these characters. And by the end of the film, when some of the characters start dying off and whatnot, you can't feel bad for them because there's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing. You don't feel anything for these characters, which is unfortunate. But this one is strictly a popcorn flick. You watch this one, drinking beer, eating popcorn, because that all you're going to get out of it is just the... Uh, the semi-decent visuals with the gore and blood. There's no substance to this at all. It, it's actually quite shitty. Um, <clears throat> editing in Sounds this movie pretty is, shitty. The editing in this movie is fucking t- horrendous too, man. It's fucking terrible. And you can even tell, like, like this movie's in German, and I don't speak German, but I can tell that the acting is shit. It's complete <laughs> garbage, just the way everything's executed. Um, it's just, oh, and, and the dialogue, I don't know if it's a translation, but the dialogue is fucking tedious too man it's just like what like people don't talk like this man it's fucking stupid um so i was having a rough time man it was a 73 minute film and i was really just oh god i was getting a little giddy with it i was like fuck like i said the only thing that was keeping me intrigued was the overtop german splatter you know these germans seem to manage to even if their film cost 12 dollars, they managed to have the most fucking gore in it ever which is always a plus but you know, I'll give them props for that. At least they took the effort to, you know, do all practical effects. And, you know, they, they made an honest effort. But the editing, the soundtrack is fucking horrible. Uh, the soundtrack varies, too. It's like death metal to, like, black metal. There's a whole pile of, like, weird metals and and odd fucking songs that are playing. But I'm not a big fan of that because I think it's just over-aggressive. Like, I like uh, metal, like death metal. Like, I love the, the type of music and stuff. I know people find that very odd since I'm, like, the hip-hop guy. But... I love like death metal and stuff, but I don't find it fitting into films like this. I find it over aggressive and I find it they they kind of use it as a scapegoat a little bit and just to kind of mask how shitty the fucking film is. At times in this movie, it fucking feels like a music video. Like, I mean, we're talking like four fucking minutes, like the whole song plays, you know, and there's like all this action that's going on and stuff. And I'm just like, what am I watching? Am I watching MTV or am I watching a fucking movie? Yeah, I find seriously. It- I find yeah. a lot of times when when um <clears throat> I feel like sometimes a lot of indie filmmakers too when they when they sometimes put metal into their movies they don't do it artistically all that often it's like they do it because they love mm-hmm. that genre of music and they, they just do it in gummo they want it in their movie do it and artistically I feel like it's a problem a lot of times I, yeah. it, it's 
you know, like I said, I have no problem with the music at all, but I have a problem the way that it was used. It's just like, you know, all of a sudden these guys just start shooting like they're thugs. So they got guns and they start shooting zombies. And the other odd thing about this movie is that they don't have to kill zombies or the infected or whatever. I don't, it doesn't really explain anything in the film. <clears throat> I'm assuming that they're like zombies or maybe they're just infected, but you know, they don't have to do headshots. So maybe they're just infected people that are going nuts. Like I said, the story is very vague in this. It's it just it's not really there at all. Um, but yeah, I find the soundtrack is just like a scapegoat. It just masks, you know, the film. And like there is a lot of fucking music in this film. Like honestly, very little dialogue for 73 minutes. Like there's probably like four pages of dialogue. It's That's a really short film. It's ridiculous. But like the soundtrack is kind of like the main focus. And, you know, the editing, man, ooh, big issue in this one. Really, really fucking poor editing so um yeah i was by the end of the film i was just like yep i did it to myself again i'm fucking torturing myself <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell man i mean i only paid a couple bucks for it it wasn't really is it better than you know, death before... do us part um <laughs> i don't know they're totally uncomparable though you know it's it's hard because they're totally two different type of films but um you know i i feel bad because i actually saw zach just pick this up too like he must have saw it in my update or something and grabbed it, but uh, should have waited for the review. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I do give him props for the special effects, so I'll give I'll I'll give it a four out of ten. You know, but otherwise, there's nothing else that's redeemable about this film. It's just it's very forgettable, and it, it's such a fucking shame that they didn't have any character development. It's like these guys show up at this thing, they're having a rave, and all of a sudden they're just in this battle, and it's like, and it tries to get emotional when like a couple of the main characters kind of perish and whatnot. And it's like, who fucking cares? Who is that? I don't even know that guy's fucking name. Is that Boris? Is that John? Is that fucking Murdoch? I don't fucking know. They're all the same fucking character in the film, man. It's just, it's low budget and it's just not good low budget filmmaking. So four to 10 hunting creatures. Stay away. All right. All right. Um, guess that brings it back to me and the film that I watch next. Um, Courtesy of Wild Eye, they sent me this one. Ugh, bad versus worse from 2012. I gotta say, first of all, I like the title because what we're dealing with is bad people versus even worse people. So this one follows a kind of criminal who owes some people some money, right? He, he owes he owes these guys some money, and they're gonna fucking kill him if he doesn't give them. I think it's five grand. Well, that's, uh, not so, a pretty, that's not a pretty good lump sum. Yeah. It's only um, 5K and they're going to kill him? Yeah, well, I mean... It's pretty shitty. Shit, people have killed for less, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he so, probably fucking PayPal'd that, too. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> basically, he um, has robbed some houses in the past, and his idea is like, okay, we always hit up the low-end houses that don't have alarms. You know, we usually get some stereos and some... Uh, game system stuff like that that we could flip real easy um but i need to make a lot of cash fast so we're gonna have to hit up houses that'll have safes have have jewelry have a lot of cash flow in their house um so he enlists the help of his brother who he hasn't talked to in five years to join him along with his uh kind of bad mouth you know comic relief friend and uh, after doing some convincing uh, to his brother, they decide they're going to hit up these houses. Uh, the first one doesn't go as planned. The people come home. The second one, 
uh, they find out that there's some psychopath that lives there who has girls captive in the house. Um, so they get kind of stuck in there. It's like the reverse home invasion, sort of like um, uh, the collector, but you know, nowhere near as good. Um, so basically, that's kind of your story, and you know, I'll, I'll leave it there. The, the, I mean, obviously, they have to escape this killer and, and stuff like that. I feel like this film was working pretty well in the first uh you know half hour 45 minutes of it um i think a lot of the lines were like ad-libbed i think the director of the film is actually the lead actor as well I'm, don't i'm not 100 sure i just I, I think it might be um i didn't double check but the problem comes with the, the length i mean this film is 114 minutes now, I think, Jeremy, you, you're with me when... Yeah, that's a little watch, bit too long. When you watch an indie film, yeah. you know, obviously they don't have a lot of money to uh, do, like, a bunch of cool scenes in different locations yeah, and yeah. different effects and stuff. 114 minutes that's is ridiculous for is an indie long. film. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know that it was 114 minutes going in. So around the 90-minute mark, I'm like, why does it feel like there's still a whole third act to go? And I look at the time... And it's 90 minutes, and then I'm like, okay, well, how long is the film? Are they going to just wrap it up really fast? And then I see it's 114 minutes, and I'm like, um, I, immediately when that happens, I start thinking back at, at all the previous 90 minutes, and I'm like, okay, well, that one scene, I know you could have cut five minutes out of that. You know, this scene, I know you could have cut. And, and honestly, it takes me completely out of the movie because I'm worried about, you know, on a technical aspect of how editing. Long? I'm I'm worried about like what you could have cut out because I'm thinking about like how bad you did editing on this uh-huh. film, and it's like, it, I it, I think it's more I understand it because I feel like it's it's their baby right this is the this is an indie director who's made you know probably nothing besides this and and it's his baby he he to him it all means something but. I think you have to remove yourself from your personal love of your baby and you have to show your friends and be like, all right, be honest. Like, like what the, like, is this too long? Does it drag? Because that is important when making films. You, I know that you don't want to cut stuff because to you it's so personal, but I feel like, you know, just take a look at it, man. There's so much that could have been cut out of this film and it really did ruin it for me. This film got ruined by the length. 100%. 100%. I was just waiting for it to be over after I realized it was 90 minutes in, and I'm like, this is bullshit. Can't believe this thing's this long. Um, the setup was pretty good at first, though. I liked the, the criminals, you know, breaking into the houses. That was all cool. It, you know, definitely lends itself to the low budgetness because there's not a whole lot of locations and stuff. Um, and I, lo- I actually liked the characters a little bit, although I feel like. You know, some of the lines were definitely like ad libbed. Like they definitely, it, they definitely didn't stick to the script. I feel like they had a basic script, but it wasn't line for line at all, which I'm fine with. I like that kind of uh, natural realism feeling to it. But sometimes it gets a little clunky, and it and they fall trip over their own shoes sometimes with the dialogue. I feel like the the way that he pulled his brother into uh doing this with him just was like completely unbelievable because they keep stressing five years oh you haven't talked to me in five years it's like i'm sorry i haven't talked to you in five years oh remember that time five years ago when you last talked to me they keep stressing it and i'm like okay i get it 
but it's kind of working you're kind of working against yourself now because now it's becoming unbelievable that he would even talk to you let alone rob houses with you after five years so i feel like maybe that could have been done a little bit better uh overall man just just really disappointing when it came to the length of this thing i still am going to give it a slight pass though because i think it was kind of interesting and nice little indie film i'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10 Five and a half out of ten, eh? <clears throat> man, that length is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it really did hurt it, man. I even, you know what's funny? I even hopped on Twitter. I was like, who the fuck made this movie? I started typing and stuff, you know, angrily, like a, like a, like a, like a nerdy horror fan. And I'm like, who the fuck made this movie? And I went on IMDb and I seen the guy's name and I searched that on Google and I was like trying to find his Twitter account or his Facebook or something. And I found his Twitter account, which he barely uses. And I was like, hey, dude, what's up with the length of this movie? I was really enjoying it. But you know what? After, you know, 90 minutes, I'm like, what the hell? Really? Nothing? could have been cut so what's up explain yourself and he never answered me <laughs> no i, I mean I, angry I fan it. he doesn't respond to angry fans <laughs> i didn't i didn't say it in quite that dick of a way i was just like hey dude you know i was really digging your film but um what's up with the night 114 minutes um was there really nothing that could get cut and he like i don't know he doesn't use twitter that often so maybe i'll get a reply eventually what but i'm curious again uh, 5.5 out of 10. It's still a pass. You know, I will recommend maybe checking it out. If, But it, it, it's hard to recommend checking it out because you're going to be there for a very long time. If you have no issue with time limits um, when it comes to these things, then, then maybe. I just feel like there's so much um, potential here because I actually did enjoy the first, you know, 45 minutes of the film, the setup. I was like, this is dope. Like, like I like how it's, – it's definitely indie and has its problems, but I mean – I like the setup, the two brothers and the weird funny friend who was like just a disgusting like douchebag. He was a real douchebag, but they were just like robbing a house and stuff. And, um, you know, I thought that the locations that they did use, you know, not many, um, definitely were, were nice. And I felt like it didn't have that overly indie, um, bad indie, uh, camera work to it. I felt like the camera work was fine. And that's, that's one of the big things when I watch indie is like, is like, I hope that they have good camera work because it really takes me out of film when it's just, you know, sloppy. So it has mm-hmm. decent camera work. It just, you know, decent color correction, stuff like that. But just that fucking length, man. Yeah, that's interesting, man. You don't see too many indie films that are that long. I know, I know I brought up proxy being 122 minutes. You know, for an yeah. that's definitely film. on an upper scale indie film though this this one's definitely lower tier um mm. compared to proxy but like like you know we we had that conversation make your film six hours long if you have the material to deal with it but when i start looking back and thinking of scenes that i could have cut myself you know to trim down then we have a problem because that means that if i feel like that um i could have you know cut some shit down then you definitely could have cut some shit down all right, so now on to my segment, of course, which is titled Jeremy's Midnight Movies, where I check out an IFC Midnight film every week. And this week, checked out a film that I've been holding back on watching for quite a while now. It, of course, is a French film, <laughs> to keep with the theme. And it's a f- subgenre of horror that I think I talked about last week or a week, or a week before that, which is a zombie film. You guys know I usually do not like zombie films. I'm not a fan of zombie films. I explained my reason why a few weeks ago. And this one is titled Mutants. Now, this is actually a really, really fucking well-done film. And um, 
some really, really, really great cinematography and some really, really beautiful shots, to be completely honest. I wish the IFC transfer wasn't so shitty because I would have loved to see a high-def Blu-ray release of this film because some of the shots are really, really beautiful and really, really nice for a film that has a really, really gloomy and uh, depressing type of a feel towards it. Um, I probably maybe would have put this one on the bottom of the list that one week when Brandon called and asked for some gloomy and depressing films. Um, I may have put this towards the bottom of the list. So The film basically takes your typical zombie film, but uh, it's a little bit something different. You don't turn into a zombie right away. You uh, evolve from a person, and you get all these side effects as your body starts deteriorating into a zombie. So we follow our main characters. Uh, it's a cu- They're a couple. Uh, one, <coughs> our main female is um, Sonia, and she is a doctor, and her husband, uh, Marco, and we follow them as they're driving around in this ambulance trying to survive the zombie apocalypse, and one day... When they were searching for gas, shit went down, and Marco unfortunately gets uh, infected. So they take refuge in this giant, um, it's like a hospital-type building. Um, I, I really don't think they tell you what it is. But um, the film from there on out is basically a character study piece as we uh, see the deterioration of Marco and uh, Sonya's loyalty towards him, even though that... He is starting to turn into this hideous monster. Um, and besides that, you really, really don't see any other zombies until the ending, the end of the film. And even at the end of the film, you really don't see them too often. You know, there may be ten or fifteen minutes of zombies, and the rest is just uh, a character piece of uh, these two characters. So, uh, this is a really, really solid French film. To be completely honest, I may. Uh, have it in my top five towards the bottom of the list, but it's really, really good. It's a really, really solid zombie flick, and I highly, highly, highly recommend you guys check it out if you get a chance. Uh, it's the guy's first film, too. Uh, I know he's directed that Home Sweet Home, Home Invasion film that came out in uh, 2013. Uh, that's his other film, that, but that one's in English. It's obviously an English production, but this, of course, is... French Canadian, if I stand corrected, but um, yeah, I don't. It still think, technically counts, I guess. Yeah, you know, it is subtitled. So I don't think uh, "Home Sweet Home" is very good, according to the smirk Moots had on his face when I. Which uh, which "Home Sweet Home" is it though? Because oh, that's the home invasion one with the guy with the knife. I think both behind home sweet his homes back are home invasion. <laughs> Oh, okay. The one with the night behind that was actually there. Okay, there was two Home Sweet Home yeah. films that were released last year. That's actually not bad. Oh, that really? one is actually pretty. The other one was kind of suspect, which wasn't terrible, but that one was actually pretty decent. Oh, I yeah, seen I one of them, and one of them wasn't good. Yeah. Which one did you see? What Jeez. was the other one? What's the other cover look like? It has like a girl standing on a rock in front of a house. I think that might girl's be got good. a nice, nice little booty on the cover there. Yeah, and it, yeah. She's baby, or she go? I can't remember the whole storyline to it, but. Um, in other I words, like stop one- fucking doing that with two titles in the same year. Come on, dicks. Yeah. I know. It's so fucking confusing. Same with Mischief Knife. Knife. Beneath. 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 Like, what the fuck? Like, multiples. 
<laughs> so ridiculous, man. It's so hard, man. Actually, I think this is a French film. I don't think it's French-Canadian, but um, I think it is from France. So check it out. It's a really, really solid zombie film. Nine out of ten. Yeah, that wow. one's actually pretty cheap, too. It's funny because it was actually one of the more expensive ones there for a while. Well, yeah. they're all more expensive until they get old, right? All the IFCs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that one's been out for a while, and I, I was like wanting to grab it forever, and I swear it was out of print. Yeah, like, yeah. it's it's The guy who wrote uh, this one is also wrote another really solid French film tied in, uh, titled High Lane, which is quite good. That's so, IFC too, huh? Yeah, this guy that was yeah, shit. I li- uh, High Lane was like almost like two different films that yeah. one's pretty cheap too it's interesting Highland is great man i actually i think i did that in i don't know i talked about that in one of my videos or something like that but i enjoyed that movie it was fucking great yeah we got like three thousand to choose from somebody go find it <laughs> well i'm trying to think of what video i did did i do in the best of the blind i don't know but no that was a good one man high lane i loved how it was like two different type films you know it mm-hmm. just kind of switches fucking tone and it's pretty cool so Bill palmer director of the x-rated films hot summer in the city Erotic Adventures of Candy. Candy goes to Hollywood. And coming soon, The Longest Foot, starring John Holmes. Hi, I'm Gail Palmer. I've been hired by Stallion Releasing Company to supervise the editing of this new X-rated film, The Italian Stallion, with Sylvester Stallone in the starring role as Doug. Italian Stallion time, ladies and gentlemen. Italian Italian yeah italian stallion time all right so my italian stallion for this week or is it an italian sausage (laughs) it still makes me laugh come on um yeah this one right here is from 1978 released by severin films directed by the infamous joe d'amato you know he's famous for a lot of films not dressed to kill what's that one with that that was on oldies that has like them standing in the jungle it has killed in the fucking title. Time to the, kill? Yeah, that's it. Joe D'Amato is directed. Like, literally, if you look at his filmography on INDB, it says he has directed 197 titles. <laughs> it, it, it's, like, ridiculous. I think he died in, like, 2012 or something like that, and he managed to direct, like, nine films that year. I'm like, no wonder he fucking died. He overworked himself. That's, like, freaking it's crazy. fastbender, man. But he's noted, he, like he's you know he directed Anthropophagus and you know all the, like a bunch of Emmanuel films. Uh, and, he died in 1999. <laughs> Was ninety nine? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, that's it. Yeah, I, I I thought that was a little off there, but um, uh, yeah, like he's notable for you know Beyond the Darkness, which is a fantastic horror film, and of course his like zombie porno films, Erotic Nights of the Living Dead and Porno Holocaust, um, which are actually hardcore porno House. zombie films. It's it's hardcore porn. Um, it's pretty interesting. House of um, Anal Perversions from nineteen ninety seven. Anyways, this one from nineteen seventy eight is called Papaya Love Goddess of the Cannibals. Anal strippers exposed. <laughs> That's Joe D'Amato, man. He's so the many, king of sleaze. So many Italian fun titles. Um, yeah, Papaya Love Goddess of the Cannibals from nineteen seventy eight, released by Severin. Uh, this one has a very contrived. Uh, storyline to it it's it's ridiculous um <laughs> i don't know like joe damato was just like purposely doing it but you know obviously being contrived but um it's basically about like a team of like american geologists and stuff they've went to this like caribbean island to basically set up like this nuclear reactor type deal 
like the storyline is ridiculous. It's so fucking ridiculous. There's no way this would ever happen. It's like this really small island. They're not going to put like anything nuclear on this fucking island because, you know, obviously it's going to contaminate like, you know, the land and whatnot and stuff. Anyways, you have this, uh, you know, this person by the name of Paya. She's like the leader of this, you know, this tribe and whatnot. And she's got wind of these geologists coming in here. And she really does not fucking like the idea of them setting up shop there and doing what they want to do on the island because she obviously knows that this is going to contaminate and not be good for their her people and stuff like that. So she basically uses like sex to knock off these people one by one. So it's like very, very fucking sleazy, <laughs> very sleazy fucking film. Um, you know, and that's basically the the premise of the film right there. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of plot holes in this movie and there's a lot of things that really don't make sense. But when you're watching a Joe D'Amato film from 1978, it doesn't really matter now, does what it? You, you, kinda, you, you kind of take it for what it is. It's a very simply simple premise. Um, so anyways, you got, you know, you got your main character, um, Vincent, who's played by Maurice Pohl. Uh, Pohlie, he's, you know, all over fucking Italian films. You recognize the face. Uh, the, the oddest thing, he's like this playing like this American, you know, geologist that goes to this island and stuff. He he runs in randomly runs into his friend that he knew from year before. Her name is Sarah on this island. She just happens to be vacationing on this random island. <laughs> so this this is the kind of shit that you're running into with this film. Right. So anyways, they team up. They start fucking doing whatever is going on there and stuff. And you got papaya. She's going around and she's killing off these geologists by using sex and, you know, ultimately biting off their penises and you know doing shit like that now the movie's called papaya the love goddess of the cannibals there's not really a lot of cannibalistic scenes in this film which is kind of misleading um you know like a lot of these movies and stuff um ultimately this one is super sleazy like almost every scene there's tits and muff there's like orgies there's like all this crazy shit going on that doesn't really make a lot of sense to the film i mean it kind of does but it doesn't but it it really kind of takes you out of it the whole time but Oddly enough, it's super entertaining. You're just like, you want to get to the end of it. You want to see what the fuck's going on. Ultimately, it's not not the greatest payoff in the world. But I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, it's a Joe D'Amato film. What do I expect? It's not going to be fucking A-class, you know, uh, storytelling or whatnot. The cool thing about Joe D'Amato is that he is actually a really good cinematographer. Like, it, his films look good. Uh-huh. You know, they all they, they really do look good for as sleazy as they are and as contrived as the well, fucking DP and directed. Yeah, that's funny. So, yeah. And so, like, you know, as contrived as the storylines are and all the plot holes and it, it seems like he does it deliberately. He just kind of, you know, skips things in the fucking in the plots and stuff. It's like, who cares? You know, they're setting up nuclear reactors on this island. Who cares? Like, I mean, that's completely ridiculous. And we all know that. But, you know, the film kind of plays out. But, you know, it's sleazy fun. It's sleazy fun. It's not a great movie by any means. Uh, really, really bad dubbing in the film, I have to say. <laughs> you know, like a lot of these older Italian films. But it adds to the charm of it. And, you know, there is a twist in the film, which is kind of funny. Uh, which I actually didn't see coming. <laughs> which was pretty funny. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, though. It's not a great movie by any means. If you're a hardcore Italian fan like I am, especially from the films of, like, this time, um, this one will be entertaining. Uh, I give it, you know, about a six out of 10, you know, I really can't go any higher with it, but you know, th- the thing that suffers about this movie is that I was expecting to see a little more cannibalistic activities and stuff like that. You know, that would have really kind of prompted up the rating, 
but it's just not there. You know, when you have cannibal in the title, like give me some fucking cannibalism, man. I want to see, I want to see flesh eating, you know, and shit like that. But it, it's not really there. I won't lie. Um, it's not even really that much of a horror flick that, that more of like a sleazy type uh-huh. exploitation type film. Um, but again, I'll go back to saying it's Joe D'Amato. And if you're familiar with his work, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, fuck, he's the king of sleaze. He really is. So Papaya Love Goddess of the Cannibals, for the lovers out there, you will enjoy it. Check it out. Yeah. All right, everybody, settle down. Would you sit down, please? You mean they're not in this class? No. Are you in this class? No. You want to get out then, please? No. Alrighty, alrighty. <clears throat> so this week for Horror 101, I kind of got a little double feature here. I'm only going to talk about one very briefly, but the story is I went to pop in my documentary for this week and it turned out it really wasn't that close at all. It was even too much to stretch and put in this horror uh, show. So, I mean, I, I had to cut that one, but I'll still mention it just to kind of throw it out there since I spent three hours watching it. Um, but the one that I did watch that was about horror is called Horror Business from 2003. Um, just really quickly, have either of you guys seen this? I've had it in a car to buy for like two years and I still haven't picked it up. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. one, this one's actually really interesting. Uh, it follows uh, a filmmaker as he documents guerrilla style low budget, you know, no budget horror filmmakers as they're trying to put their heart and soul into their horror film and make it. Uh, this was uh, all filmed in 2003 and it was released in 2005. Uh, you know, this one, I-, I found it very interesting because it's kind of that like world that we really don't get to see too often. The, you know, no budget guys. And a lot of these guys who he's following around, um, have been doing it since, you know, like the 90s or whatever and just have had like no success, little to no success, you know. It's all a bunch of like shot on video, terrible movies that these guys have been making. The one guy who has kind of sort of a, uh, I guess, success story is the guy who was uh, made American movie that Mark uh, – I forget his last name, but it's like the, the one of the main guys in American movie. They follow him around too. And what's funny is I looked at his, the movie that he was trying to make was called like Scare Me, still in production to this day. <laughs> <laughs> it has wow. a 2015 release date. And this was filmed all in 2003. So I feel like the one guy in there, Ron Atkins, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's kind of a dick. Like I kind of didn't like him at all in this film um, and he was kind of annoying me. Hopefully he's a nicer person than he was back in 2003. One of the things I noticed while watching this uh, documentary was that it had like a real nostalgic moment to it. There was uh, one director who uh, was actually the most interesting. I felt like he had a lot to say. And he was talking about drive-ins and how he and his parents used to go to drive-ins when he was a kid watching triple features. And his father would always want to leave during the last feature. And he'd be like, what? We can't leave. It's it's worth the movies. We can't, you know? And it was just like, it, it, it like brought back a bunch of memories. And I, I feel like this film was like a time capsule of this 2003 to like 2005 era where horror fans and filmmakers were really angry. Um, it, it comes off very well in this film that, that people were angry. People were angry about remakes. People were angry. Like, 
I, I remember how fucking much people bitched about remakes and stuff back then. And it was like, it was huge. And it comes off in this film. Um, honestly, I, I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword type thing. At the same, t- at one point, you kind of want to root for these guys. But at another, you just feel like some of them just don't have any talent. There's just a reason why they never did anything. They just don't have it. Um, and it, it's kind of like a, you know, sad moment when you kind of realize that, like, some of these guys are a bit of dicks. Um, they, they, like, I think they feel like, um, they're entitled to stuff. And, um, you know, other times it feels like they're just, you know, grinding, uh, to, to make films. But a lot, like, the one guy, the guy that I don't really like, he was also making the type of films that I, like, hate, which is just, like, I'm gonna be, like, super shocking and, you know, people, like, love this, you know, people hate me for it and stuff. I'm just like, ah, yeah, whatever. Um, but overall, you know, it was definitely a cool look at these, like, these grinding, super, super no-budget independent directors, um, and uh, I, I definitely really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was, you know, it was de- even the documentary is very amateurish, but uh, I, I, I liked it. I give it a six point five out of ten. And the second thing I watched was uh, Decade Under the Influence. This is three hours long. It was it's supposed to be uh, thirty minute episodes. It was on like the IFC channel. Um, it's not horror, but they do talk about the seventies uh, era of filmmaking and. They really go into it in depth on, you know, like all the different uh, ideas and mentalities and this like counterculture thing that was going on in the 70s. Pretty interesting stuff there. They only talk about like three horror films like Jaws, The Exorcist and like Carrie. Um, But they had a lot of cool people talking about, you know, the whole mindset in the 70s. And I do feel like it got a little talky and long winded at times, but it's fucking three hours. I guess you should watch it in 30 minute increments would be better. Um, I was under the impression that this was like a horror documentary. It's absolutely not. Um, but it, it's still an interesting, insightful look at 70s films. So definitely check that one out as well if you're interested in that. That's my segment. Q. Q. American General Pictures imprisons you in a bloody web of terror. Spider Baby has the seductive innocence of Lolita and the savage hunger of a black widow. Spider Baby will give you nightmares forever. No man that loves her lives to love another. Her sweet kisses engulf you in a bloody web of horror. Spider Baby will thrill you, then kill you. Starring Spider Baby and Lon Chaney. For the horror thrill of your life, see Spider Baby from American General Pictures. So moving along into the featured review for this week. Yeah. yeah. And it is going to be from 1967 or 68. I don't know how ever you want to call it. Um, it is Jack Hill's uh, very first directed film, uh, Spider Baby. Of course, Jack Hill is known for being um, the master of black exploitation films, man. Really, he's done so many good, well, you know, not just black, but like, you know, exploitation films in general in the 70s, man. Like The Big Dollhouse, The Big Birdcage, uh, Switchblade Sisters, um, uh, most notable probably Foxy Brown and Coffee, you know, with Pam Greer. 
Mm. Uh, you know, just fucking amazing films. I think, you know, Jack Hill is one of the most underrated directors of all time. I mean, if you like mm-hmm. exploitation films and black exploitation, he's some, he, he did some of the best, you know, really, really amazing work. You know, and the odd thing about Jack Hill, in my opinion, is that he his last film that he directed in 1982 was an offbeat film from his regular type film, kind of like he started his career with a horror film and ended it with a fantasy film, which is Sorceress in 1982. And like everything in between was basically Weird. exploitation. You know, it was like exploitation film. So uh-huh. he, his career was very interesting. Um, you know, Jack Hill, again, just so overlooked as a like a really good director but um but yeah so we're gonna focus on the 19 i'm gonna say 1968 film spider baby this film was originally directed and finished and completed in 1964 the thing with this movie is that uh, it was originally called cannibal orgy uh it's not the reason why it was shelved it was more due to the content of the film yeah i could not see this being shown in 1964 that was the thing. Like, I mean, obviously the <clears throat> the undertones of the film were very taboo that people caught on to and stuff. But it wasn't that. It was – I mean it was a little bit to do with that. The distributors, something happened with that and it sat on the shelves for about four years and then finally premiered in late 67 and kind of made its way into – you know, people's how or not people's houses, people's you know eyes and stuff in 1968. So we're going to go with 1968 as the release date for Spider-Baby. Um, yeah. Anybody want to give the uh, – Brief synopsis on Spider Baby. Uh, well, we follow a caretaker who is now taking care of some adult-sized children. I guess they're adults, yeah, but they're yeah. you know children. Mind. They're mental. They're I, mentally I call them man babies. Yeah, yeah pretty pretty much. Um, and they're kind of. We find out a, a few things about this family. One, we find out they're inbred, and uh, <laughs> basically, there's these group of people who uh, come there with their lawyers to kind of say that they own, um, I guess the uh, the house, the mansion. They, they actually come to claim the estate. Yeah, they come to claim the estate. Uh, of course. Uh, the, you know what, man? I mean, that that's pretty much the story. There's not a whole lot of story there. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to really go into it, but I will say like, this is the first time watching this and well, I have a few things to say. First, I'll say like, I never knew Sid Haig could really look creepier, but he looks creepy. He as shit. definitely <laughs> does. His head is so big. And yeah, he like, looks skinny. like, it's like Michael Tall. Berryman, like pre Michael Berryman. Doesn't and, it remind you of like the dude from Freaks? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I was Michael getting a vibe from this thing altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's my favorite character for sure. <clears throat> yeah, another thing I'll say is like this feels like a pre House of a Thousand Corpses. Like I can, I, I think Rob Zombie definitely was influenced heavily on this film. Like th- this, f- like uh, even like the whole, um, like it, it almost feels like House of a Thousand Corpses was like could have been like a remake of this in a weird way. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> just so many different things I noticed from like, uh, like the scene, some of the scenes where they chase the the people outdoors, like reminded me of the end of House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, stuff in the basement <clears throat> reminded me of House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, just the weird family reminded me of House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I really like the structure of this film. Okay, it starts out with the uncle basically telling the story of you know what happened. The mole, not even, not like even. The- t- What's their names? The mole fees, right? No, they're called the Mary. Mary, 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 Mary. So basically this Mary family has this disease, which is called the Mary disease. And when you hit 10 years old, you start to digress mentally. But you continue 
you continue to grow physically. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it kind of was. Yeah. But you digress mentally. And basically what it does, it kind of makes you like crazy. <laughs> you know, you, you become like a child, but it, you, you fucking you're like nuts. Yeah, <laughs> you go like mad. That, so. Yeah. so I like that. So the film opens up with the uncle kind of telling the story and then it just kind of gets into the story. And then you get introduced to the chauffeur, which is played Long by Chaney. Lon Chaney Jr. He's awesome. Uh, and he plays a character named Bruno. Now, he's basically the family caretaker chauffeur. He's the he's the provider for the family because the parents of the children, the three children, um, who are Elizabeth, Virginia, and Ralph. Ralph, of course, played by Sig Haig. They have been, you know, orphaned basically kind of. And, you know, Lon Chaney takes up the duties as providing for this family. And he completely knows exactly what's wrong with these children. He even refers to them as retards. Yeah. In the film, which is really fucking funny in a scene. But it's like the um, same thing that you were talking about earlier with your your mom in the bathtub type of stuff. It's just, it's just a different time. Yeah. And I bet you yeah. that didn't shock people when they heard totally. that. Yeah. You know, yeah, we'll we'll get into some scenes later on in the film, but yeah. you know, I, I like this I like this premise, you know, because he knows exactly what these children are all about. He knows that they're they come from inbred, you know, they're inbred and stuff, and he knows about this disease. And the cool thing or the interesting thing about Lon Chaney's character, Bruno, is that he basically kind of he plays the you know, he plays the guy that covers up everything that these kids are doing mm. and stuff like that. And then you learn a little more throughout the film and stuff like that, you know, he definitely knows exactly what, you know, there's a yeah. thing there but there's, there's something, something there. wrong with him as well you know what I mean? well yeah well i just think he was crazy i don't think like it's not it, it, it's that but it's the undertones and what the whole film is actually technically about like he he kind of plays it off like he doesn't really know i mean especially in the dinner scene the dinner scene really t- kind of kind of throws everything kind of out there yeah you know and you know he he's very self-aware of what's going on mm, <laughs> because cat. There's that whole conversation about their diets and stuff like yeah. that and whatnot. But, but yeah, he's the chauffeur and he cares to these families and he kind of covers up what they're, you know, their, uh, what the activities about. that the children do and stuff. But very, very interesting flick. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? Well, I, I'm actually curious what Jeremy's thoughts are on it because um, I was getting a vibe that you might not have liked it too much in the chat. Um, it, it was interesting. I, I – I liked it, but because it's strange, you know, I, I think I, I like it a little bit even more considering Mood said it was shot in 1964. So now that I think about it, when I was watching it, I was like, eh, it's okay. Is it, it's weird enough that I'm, I'm on board with the story, but I'm not like thrilled about it. But then when Mood just said right now that it was actually, when we were talking before that it was actually shot in 1964. That's really, really interesting because this film makes it even more provocative and uh, advanced for the time. Okay, first of all, I will say one thing about this movie. This movie has a very odd tone to it. Uh Um, At first, you're not really too sure what to expect from it. Then you kind of learn throughout the film and the progression of the film that this movie is actually like a really dark comedy. It's like an early experimentation in in black humor, which – I think yeah. is a good way to describe it because I feel like the, it wasn't there wasn't a huge, um, you know, palette uh, established for black comedies back then. Maybe yeah, and yeah. I feel like well, it's that, like an interesting experimentation. That's why this film really sticks out because there was not a lot of movies like this, especially with the undertone subject matter of especially what this movie is actually about. It was made in 1964 and not yeah. 1968. Yeah, but that's the thing. And like you know, that's the a subject huge game matter changer. that's being suggested in the film. 
Oh man, to make it how they did, I think Lon Chaney's character is fucking amazing in this movie. Yeah, he's so I good. Think he's absolutely, yeah. he plays off so well. His acting in this movie is so good. He's so entertaining. He's so he's bonkers. He this, like, very likable, kind of energetic, like kind of comedic. And point he's to old and worn out too. And he and he pulls yeah, off one so of his well. Last roles. Yeah, and, and you know, I think really for a movie that was recorded or recorded, filmed in 1964, I think, you know, like Jack Hill says, I watched the special features on the film, which this is kind of, you know, unfortunately, I don't think you guys got a chance to see them, but um, Jack Hill said this movie was basically kind of a fluke with casting wise because he was not, he was like a director, he didn't know anything about actors and whatnot mm-hmm. and stuff. He basically cast the film on, you know, just kind of, you know, just by fluke okay you 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 seem like you can do a good job and stuff like that um getting lon cheney jr was a fluke too because they actually contacted him and his agent said no he's not going to do the fucking movie because he's not going to do the film for twenty five hundred dollars he ended up doing the film and stuff like that and it turned out that everyone that they cast like you know in elizabeth virginia and ralph's role sid Haig, everyone turned out to be fantastic yeah, you know, so he it really kind of developed the film for him. It's just like such a fluke that everybody that was, you know, incorporated in this film was just such a great actor, and and all the um, you know, the uncles and like all the uh, aunties and stuff I like love that. The everybody uncle. was like good actors. He's funny, especially during the dinner scene where he's like, mm, "You should have some of this," and he's like, yeah, yeah. he knows it's he knows it's like not rabid." Okay, he's yeah. like, oh, you should eat some of it. It's just Here's funny. Inter- interesting thing about the movie the uh, the one auntie. Um, the kind of like older looking one, the one that, you know, strips down and, you know, she's in her lingerie and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You guys know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. You know how old she was when she recorded the, or when she did this film? How old? She was almost 50. Wow. That was insane because she was fucking hot. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. man, but she was so good looking. I was like, oh my God. You, you know, it's so crazy how old she was, but she was like really good looking. I was like, man, the casting was brilliant in this film. Really sells the film, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loved it. But uh, now you said this film was a success, right? um, In the drive-in circuit, eventually, once it got out in the circuit and stuff, you know, people start getting the word. You know, the word got around. Yeah, because I think it's different than what was seen at the time. Even in 1968, I think I still think it was different. I'd be curious to see if this came out before or after Night of the Living Dead. Oh, this came. This probably came out. Well, it premiered uh, in late 67. 67. Yeah, so it right. probably hit before Night of Living But I think it was yeah. like a very minor kind of release. And then I – like Jack Hill said, he's, it was like the f- first quarter of the year is when it started catching on in like the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Also – Like in California and stuff. So We have to remember that like back in, in you know this time period – films would stay in the drive-ins forever you know they would mm-hmm. stay for for a long time i'm surprised if spider baby and night of living dead didn't do wasn't part of a lot of double features back then mm-hmm. yeah but mm-hmm. uh, one thing when you was talking about performances i think you really got to applaud the two girls because i feel like personally that it would be so easy for at the time for the actors not to get the script um, not to get what their character was supposed to come off as. Maybe they even put it, their own spin on it. But like, because these girls are very weird. Like their 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 tone is just not what you typically see in films of this time. Um, and and you know, that that that's a really good note because I took note of this too. And you know, 1964, this movie was filmed in. You know, they have nothing to go off on. These mm-hmm. kids are acting solely on what they read in the script. And that's their own performances. And that's what I love about this movie, man. It's so 
kind of original and doesn't it seem like it's just something that might go over a lot of people's heads like they just wouldn't get like the tone that that they and fuck. ultimately ended up getting fuck yeah fuck i think yeah. they got really lucky on that because it's, it's a weird tone it's something that would even maybe be a little hard to capture like today like most actors would have like a hard time like like really mm-hmm. nailing that like just disturbed yeah. mad tone and that's what Jack Hill even talks about in the special features. He, you know, he said Lon Chaney totally got this. And now Lon Chaney was very kind of a straight edge guy. Like he generally wouldn't do a film called Cannibal Orgy, you know, <laughs> but he loved the script so much. And, you know, they ultimately changed the name of the title mm-hmm. to Spider Baby. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I mean, Lon Chaney fucking got the script, obviously, because his character is so brilliantly executed. He's he's obviously, you know, funny in the film like his performance he's kind of jittery and i I just i love it i love it but i think it's so cool that these young girls you know jill banner who plays virginia who is the uh you know the main lead the girl that you see on the you know the cover of the film um which uh i think her performance is brilliant she was only about 16 in the film when she did that when she did that performance yeah she she was only older than that yeah. Exactly, and that's the and that's will lead me to the part with her uncle. You know, when she jumps on his lap, and mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. you know, and, and very, you know, that's very, you know, taboo, especially. Well, for she's the time. kissing his face, pretty much. Exactly, she's sixteen in that film, and they even talk like he's interviewed in the special features years and years later, and he's like, man, he goes, it was very awkward because he's like, I knew how old I was, and I knew who how, how old she was, <laughs> and we're doing these scenes, and I was like, oh fuck, oh, you know, so it and, wasn't and it act- made, It was like legitimate, like, legitimate awkwardness. <laughs> Exactly. And it was like fucking great. And, and again, a product of its time, you know, which is still odd for its time. But like, you know what I talked about when the peeper saw, you know, these things just don't happen yeah, anymore. No way. You know, they, they just don't happen in film. Oh, everybody's and, up in goddamn arms. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's why this movie works so well, because, you know, it's it's obviously a dark comedy. There's so many things going on. I think. I mean, honestly, dude, this movie opens up with one of the coolest scenes. You know, the delivery guy, you know, getting hacked up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, by the kids and stuff. By the window, it's here. like hilarious. It's just like, and, and Lon Chaney's reaction, Bruno's reaction when he comes home, he's just like, ah, oh, you, you know. But then you again. learn later that, yeah. like, it's not really, he's not, he shouldn't be overly surprised about it because he knows exactly what's going on in that house. Uh-huh. And there's, um, there's so many subjective, so, so, <laughs> subjective no suggestive oh. suggestive um, yeah there's so many moments like that where you're like l- like what about when she was about to like stab ralph's like ass like like you know what i mean like they, it, it's yeah. weird like there's a lot of scenes in there like that where you like was like was that gonna happen well, i think that was that was put into the film i mean that's a very odd scene and i've always thought that was a weird scene because it just kind of shows i think it's kind of showcasing the fact that these girls are they're crazy Mm-hmm. You know, they're not willing to stop at, you know, just strangers. They're maybe willing to even take out Ralph, you know, even yeah. though they love him, even though they love him. But I, it's kind of showing, you know, the ability of where they're going. They're digressing to the point where it doesn't even matter family or not. They are going to probably kill you. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me so, of when you see those stories of two kids like playing with a gun or something and one gets shot. It's just like like. Like they just really don't know what they're doing. Like they, it almost feels like they don't. They he she wouldn't understand that death is permanent if she kills her brother Ralph. It's just like, like they just go like seen by like just whatever natural feelings, whatever they want to do at that time, they kind of roll with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without thinking of consequence. <clears throat> but doesn't this film have like a perfect dark comedy feel to it? Yeah, it's you it's know a, really be it's, it's really like bizarre. one of its kind. 
it's like it's it's almost like the start of like the real dark comedies. And this is like a perfect example of how you do one. You know, I think it's just brilliantly executed. I think, you know, performance wise and stuff. But well, one of the things that I came away with um, after I was done watching it, like the first thing that I said was like, well, I've never seen a film like this before. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, and that was an interesting feeling because how op- often does that happen now with as many films as we've seen? You I think really you guys might be starting right. to figure out. I think you guys might be starting to figure out why it chose this film, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it, it's you can fucking talk about it. Yeah. It's a very interesting flick. There's so much to say about it. I think without giving, I wish we could spoil this one because there is a lot of things that are going on that now, now what suggest. Now. Yeah, I mean, they're suggested in the film. You know, it doesn't formally say it. I mean, obviously, by the original title, kind of gives it away a little bit. But so, what do you think is suggested? Well, I meant just with the cannibalism. Uh huh. That's what the movie is technically yeah. about. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, I mean, it's really kind of forward, you know, towards the end and stuff like that. But at first, you're just like, okay, you know, the very first time I watched this movie, I was like, well. You know, it can't really be about cannibalism because, you know, cannibalism in, in the 60s was, you know, not, it was very taboo. It didn't foreign. really happen. It was foreign. And, you yeah. know, it didn't really happen until, I mean, I guess you can consider, you know, Night of the Living Dead as a cannibalistic film. I mean, oh, yeah. zombie films, it's always been, that's an argument, but. Well, it is. It is. This it, one I has mean, subject matter that just. Before zombies were established, it was definitely more looked at as cannibalism in 68. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. One of my favorite scenes in this movie is the dinner uh, dinner scene. Me too. That's my favorite when, scene. <laughs> I love dinner so... scenes in films in general. I mean, but seriously, you. Yeah, but have... it felt like Texas Chainsaw dinner scene. That would <laughs> have felt like the the conversation's so brilliant in this film when when the uncle turns to you know his wife and he's like, "You like horror films?" And she's like, "Ah, oh. yeah." Wolf. She man. starts talking about she yeah. starts talking about the mummy and the wolf, and she's like, "I love the mummy the way he walks, and I love the wolf man. It's gonna be a full moon." And then Lon Chaney pipes up and he's oh. like. He's like – he says something. It's going to be a full moon tonight. And I'm like, oh my god. It's so fucking brilliant because yeah. he was the mummy and the wolf man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's so fucking brilliant the way they executed and that. And it was Frankenstein. And it, and, and it just – it's just awesome. It's just so fucking good. It's just – they threw that in there. It's just brilliant. That guy did so, everything, man. Yeah. I just fucking love that scene so much. I, I just feel like a lot of people might not get this film. I feel like um, it's very easy to kind of like not understand hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I like, you know, from an entertainment, you know, perspective, like, were you guys like super entertained throughout the whole film? Or you, yeah, you, I mean, I, I definitely going, yeah. like, like, what the fuck is this kind of thing? I think this movie is insanely entertaining. I think it's b- beautifully shot. I think the cinematography is fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say that. Mm. Yeah, the cinematographer. I watch it, you know, in the special features, he talks about, you know, he's actually very, very well fucking known as cinematographer and stuff. And, you know, he just him talking about the film and the way he did shots and stuff. I'm like, holy fuck, man, for like this movie was low budget. Like they had no budget for this film. And this guy stepped in and it was amazing. They even got the cinematographer to do the film. But he comes in and he does all this crazy shit. And everyone's like, holy fuck, this guy's actually professional, you know, because everyone's kind of. Kind of amateur, hasn't really done a lot of things. It definitely besides besides Lon Chaney, right? You know, for all yeah. the actors and stuff, no one's really done a whole lot. And they, they have the cinematographer that like knows film and and it's like amazing. And this movie turned out fucking brilliant. Like even Jack Hill said, he goes, "This movie shouldn't have fucking turned out like this, man. <laughs> yeah. It really shouldn't have." But you know, a fluke by 
uh, casting and having a good cinematographer. Sometimes you just catch lightning in a bottle, man. Exactly. Now that I think of it, I think Lon Chaney played every universal monster besides the creature. He played the mummy, played Wolfman, he played Frankenstein, and he played Dracula. He played all four. When did he play Frankenstein? Uh, Ghost of Frankenstein. When did he play Dracula? Uh, Count, uh, what the fuck? Uh, Son of Dracula. Oh. I'm yeah. actually completely unfamiliar, so I wouldn't know, but... What I was you watch, did, come to think of it, he did play a lot of Universal Monsters. Yeah, yeah. if you watch, I, I always think of him as the like you know as the mummy. Yeah, I mean, and the Wolfman. Like, I mean, that's what I completely think of him as. When you but. get around to watching the monster movies, JP, watch watch the Frankenstein sequels. They're really they're really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. they are really good. Yeah, especially the last two with uh, Bela Lugosi. They're really good. Definitely. Yeah. But one thing that I wanted to say was I definitely enjoyed like the old. Um, rickety farmhouse that kind of has like it's like you know spooky you know it's like that old spooky feel that you still had in the you know it's kind of going away now in 1968 but it was filmed in 64 um so it still had that uh you know with the music and stuff and just that spooky old school feel that i like i love that house too man that was actually a real house and they had a hard time because they wanted to make it look like it was kind of secluded you know, like it was a house all by itself, but it's actually in a neighborhood, right? But the cinematographer managed to capture, you know, that feel of this house being kind of all by itself in a desolate area, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. where you had to drive out to the fucking basically your house, JP. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, so you had to drive out and it, it felt like it was in the country and stuff, but it's actually not. You know, I learned that from the special features and I was like, man, and even Jack Hilly goes, it's fucking amazing when I watch the movie how they capture that because it's you know them them obviously knowing where this house was you know it's really cool how they captured it and stuff but man that house was fucking huge yeah huge like yeah. them walking up those steps i was like man that's a big motherfucking house they don't make houses like that anymore very cool but um i don't i, I don't know man i think this movie is fucking brilliant dude i i love the whole ending of the movie i think it's just <laughs> fucking fucked up um, I love the part where Virginia kisses her dad goodnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, man. That, that, that's fucking. I, I like. I feel like this film was very influential for a lot of films, like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, House of a Thousand Corpses. Like, I got a lot of feel from that. Like the whole dead body keeping your relatives around thing. Like, hey, mm-hmm. you know that. Like, was it done before this? Yeah. I don't know. Was it? I don't know. I dead but i don't know i i I actually don't know i mean there's a lot of things i i mean i you know watching this movie again i was thinking to myself going what was the very first film that actually dealt with like cannibalism like you know obviously on a zombie type tip it would be night of the living dead um i walk with a zombie but like cannibalism you know like I mean, like, well, I mean, besides like a zombie type thing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like, what, what, what was a movie that really kind of, you know, had the undertones and was cannibalistic, uh, you know, without having zombies in it? Yeah, I mean, that would be I, I, I actually can't think of one. It's pretty interesting, but, uh, um, I don't know, man. I, I just absolutely adore this film. Uh, you know, it's such a fucking shame too. Uh, Jill Banner, the girl that played Virginia. Um, she died. She got killed in 1982. Um, 
and she was actually basically my age. Uh, yeah. She died when she was 35 years old. Uh, she got killed in a car accident. Drunk driver hit her and fucking she flew out of her car and stuff like that. The interesting thing about her is that uh, she was actually in a relationship with um, uh, uh, what the fuck's his name? Um, <laughs> shit, I totally fucking just blanked on his name. Uh, damn. Totally forget. But it's such a fucking tragedy though, man, because she was fucking beautiful, man. Like really, really beautiful. Did, did you um notice the I song at the beginning of the film? The what's that? The the opening song. Oh yeah, it was goofy. It's like such a goofy way to start out the movie. I know. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Dude, Lon I, Chaney sung that though. I like the opening credits. Like, it's are you goofy. talking about like, the opening credits and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, I like it too. But I mean, it's it's goofy. <laughs> it's it's quirky. Like just odd way to start a film. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of enjoyed it. Like it kind of sets, I mean, it doesn't really do much for like the tone of the film and stuff. Cause it kind of puts you one way and then you kind of go to another Marlon Brando. That's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Fuck. I just remembered she was in a relationship with Marlon Brando and Marlon Brando, even after her death, even said it was the only woman that he ever loved. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's fucked up. Yeah. It's crazy. Apparently he, she was working on a, she was living with Marlon Brando working on scripts for this new film. And she got in this car accident going home one night. And I was like, damn. Did you know that Jack Hill, during the filming of this film, this is my MDB trivia, by the way, wrote a treatment for a sequel called Vampire Orgy, which followed Peter and Anne on their honeymoon. Huh. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Because, well, Peter would have been the sole survivor. Uh, was it Peter's character? He was the Peter, he was the narrator yeah. of the film, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I mean, I I really <laughs> did enjoy it. It was it was yeah, pretty it's goofy. solid. Yeah. Um, it was definitely like I said, it was one of those experiences where I came away from it and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a film like that. So that's automatically good, right? I mean, anytime you can pull pull a film that you you've never really felt that feeling or, or that tone, just never really seen anything like that. That's a good thing. This is a movie that every time I watch, it seems to get better for me. I think I it has. I think it will have that effect because I feel like if watching it again, I might pick up on some other things, might laugh a little bit more once you know. Mm-hmm. Not because when you first see it, you're like, "Oh, this is new and surprising to you," and you're just kind of like waiting to see what happens next. But when you know what happens next, it's that anticipation that's going to make it more awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, this you know, right after the dinner scene, you know, you got that whole type of exploration scene where all the characters kind of break out and they kind of explore the house and stuff man dude some of the cinem- cinematography in those scenes are fucking brilliant man like really really brilliant like dude when the girls are standing at the top of the stairs and they're filming from like down below and stuff i mean that shit is fucking brilliant man doesn't look just amazing <laughs> like it looks so damn good yep nothing absolutely I, I love that. I mean, how it's exploring like all these characters. That's where you know part of the scene where <clears throat> where the the older auntie, where she's not, she's married to an auntie, but uh, where she's changing and stuff. And oh, goddamn, she's sexy. She's <laughs> fucking still sexy, man. You know, it's so crazy. She's still alive. Yeah, I know. She's like ninety. Yeah, Holy it's so shit. fucking that she's like still alive. And like Jacqueline in the in the, he's like doesn't even know where the fuck she is. She hasn't done a movie in like fucking thirty fucking plus years. She's like kind of falling off the face of the earth, but pretty interesting stuff but i love that whole fucking that whole scene where everyone's kind of exploring and 
yeah, I'll just leave it there. I don't want to give anything away, but you know, <laughs> love, love this movie. Radiance guys, Jeremy. Um, mm, give it seven and a half out of ten. All right, uh, me. I'm also coming in with a seven point five out of ten. Uh, yeah, that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> awesome. Um, I have always loved this movie. Uh, I think it's just, it's just low budget fucking brilliance in my opinion. I think everything about this movie is just awesome. Uh, nine and a half out of ten for me. Ooh, love it, love it with a passion. Oh, that is definitely one that you fucking love, love, love. <laughs> nine and a half. Like I said, man, every time I watch this movie, it's like a treat, and I always forget how bizarre this film is. But I love the performances. I think Virginia is just, oh my god, to die. So for why not a ten? So fucking brilliant, man. Like I think her performance is so good, and they even talk about it in the special features how the girls didn't really know how to act and they just kind of just kind of played off their their natural abilities well they did a and goddamn it came off job so, <laughs> they, and it came off so well they actually seemed so damn creepy and weird and shit and i think it's so good man you know so for people that really it? didn't have I, I don't know I, I actually don't know like you need I, to like sit I down said, and really consider like what your tens are and what <laughs> they aren't because i feel like i feel like sometimes you want to give stuff a 10 but you're just scared of them I know. I am totally scared of giving tens, man. But yeah, you know, Spider Baby. Awesome, awesome flick. Love it. Good stuff. So I guess that's going to conclude the, uh, I was going to say 29th, 39th episode of the 22 Shots and Moods and Horror Spider Baby featured review episode. Jeremy. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the. 39th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash moods616. And as always, if you want to follow the man himself, JP, a.k.a. the man's who football team sucks dick, you could do so at youtube.com slash doubleshotj. And as always, you can follow me on my channel at youtube.com slash nesruler22. And as always, if you have any questions for us you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665 and if you want to email us any questions you can do so do so the 22 shots of moods and horror it's at not gmail. at the 22 shots it's at 22 shots it's at 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com it's 22 shots of moods a and d horror at gmail.com and you can follow us on the facebook group page go to the facebook.com at the top type in 22 shots of moods and horror and be part of the community over there. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at 22ShotsPodcast. And as always, guys, that should do it for the 39th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. And as always, I will leave you with the best word of advice I've gotten last year. Texas Chainsaw Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. Talk to you guys next week. And I'll see you guys next week with Viewer's Choice 2. Yeah, Yeah, Viewer's Choice, which is what what, what are we doing again? Video Video violence. violence. Blood Diner, and Christmas Evil. God damn, that is some weird-ass fucking top three. <laughs> it's fucking really weird. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting tone to the uh, conversation. We're going to have to uh, switch modes. But yeah, that's exciting, guys. So check you guys in episode 40. 40. 40. 40. See you guys.